Happy Friday, everyone. Welcome to the morning show. Check it out, guys. We got merch. So uh, happy Friday. We got we got merch. I'm very excited about this new sweatshirt. I was muted. Oh, I, I thought I thought you were muted on purpose. I thought you like had to like take a call or something. No, I was saying happy Friday, y'all. We made it another <laughs> week. And um, the other thing I was gonna say was uh, for those of you who have asked which is only two people, and I'm totally blanking on your names right now because it's the morning, so I'm sorry about that. Yes, our streams are uploaded. It's a week delayed, so that this week was Gwyneth Paltrow week, but they are uploaded on Spotify. So if you cannot simultaneously like watch us and get ready in the morning or you just can't have YouTube up at work, uh, we do have it available in podcast format. Your Morning Guru. Yes, so you guys can listen there or watch here or whatever you want. I will let everyone know once we've got the merch ready on the website. Like, we don't have a website yet. I'm going to make us a website and put the merch on it. Now that I've gotten the merch item and I love this sweatshirt so much, it's so cute. I'm just I'm, I'm going to so make us a crypto. <laughs> I'm going to make us a Your Morning Guru crypto. I'm going to I'm going to learn how to do that. Yeah, do it. Do it. Yeah, so we have uh we have the sweatshirts. We're we're both getting samples of we want to have hats too, so we're getting samples of the hats in the mail and then after we get those, I will make a website and then we can all buy merch there. It'll be great. I buy merch, you buy merch, we buy merch. We all do merch. <laughs> Exactly. Good morning, Joseph. Good morning, Cher. Y'all, today uh, I am ending the no carb thing today until next week because I believe I believe Joe Rogan eats an all meat diet too. Let me check that out. Oh, fuck. I'm just gonna eat. It's so difficult for me to not eat carbs because Aaron makes baked goods daily. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> that's fine. It's okay. It's okay. Um, today she said she's bringing home eclairs. Like. Ooh. Like the fuck, who she's just, you know, puff pastries, shit. Like God, it's how can I say, oh, I can't do that because I have to live like Jordan Peterson for a week. So I can't, I can't enjoy your homemade eclairs. Right? No, dude, you should be eating her homemade eclairs. I won't judge you for that. That sounds so dirty. Baked goods are so dirty. <laughs> uh, yeah, it sounds like. Well, okay. Joe Rogan only went on an all meat diet for 30 days. So I don't think he's still on the all meat diet. Sounds like he did what we're doing. Like he just experiments with things. Yes, basically. <laughs> I think I'm going to continue to be low carb next week, but it's okay if you don't. I want to so see. You, you're just doing it because you like it now. Well, I think that I can hit like a balance. I don't, I mean, it makes me kind of sad a lot of the time, but I think. <laughs> I think I'm depressed as fuck, but I'm losing all this weight guys. <laughs> Uh, I, I think I can hit a balance, right? Where like, I'm just someone who eats so much sugary stuff. And people say that if you go low carb for a little while, you'll stop craving it as much after a little while. So I'm hoping that like, after maybe these two weeks of living with like these people who have all meat diets, I will stop craving the carbs as bad and then be able to eat them in moderation after that. I mean, That's the I goal. I can't speak as a nutritionist, but I can just say, give anecdotal evidence that like my buddy who does real estate, who I'm going through to get a house, he was 
very overweight and he just did keto for like three weeks to get his weight under control and then pursued a healthier diet after that, but it worked for him. Okay. That's what I'll do then. I'll do that. I'll assume it'll work for me too. So I, I, I don't know if it's healthy or not, but I know it worked for him. I feel like it's like a lot of people do the keto diet for like their whole life. Like they start it and then they're like, this is going to be my life from now on. I feel like that's not healthy. And again, I'm not a professional, but from what I've heard, where's Kat Benson? She can let us know. We need her. (laughs) Because like, okay. So I think that like some people do it and it helps them continue to lose weight throughout their life. However, if you do it for too long, you start to get like, like it can do damage to your kidneys and things like that. That's what I've heard. So I feel like what your friend did is the right choice where it's like, just do it to a point where you reach your, your weight loss goal or whatever. And then, then try to introduce a sustainable diet of moderation. That seems more reasonable than trying to eat no carbs for the rest of your life. That just doesn't seem sustainable to me. Um, Oh, Karen's making bread. Joseph says, I can't give Savvy a super chat for munchies. I'm sorry, y'all. Let's let's try to get this stream monetized because we need to get to a thousand subscribers and then we can monetize this channel. So everyone make uh, sure we could set up a Kofi. Oh, we could set up a Kofi. That's true. That's or a Patreon or something. That's a good idea. It's a good idea. Uh, Kitty's here. Hello. Cher says, I'm actually about to make some eggs while I listen, but not because Jordan told me to because I want them. (laughs) That's excellent. I think I'll be eating a lot of eggs next week. Morning, Amanda. Morning, Aw Panda. That rhymed. I love it. Amanda cannot wait to get the hoodies. I love it. I love it. So does Joseph. Yes. Amanda says, when I cut carbs a few years ago, it took a while, but my junk food cravings definitely decreased. The only reason I broke my diet was because I went on a trip to Colorado. That makes sense. Oh, Kat Benson is here. Okay. We need you, Kat. Kat. So, Jordan Peterson eats an all-meat diet continuously. Joe Rogan went on an all-meat diet for uh, 30 days, and then... I think went back to his normal stuff. Now, I think Joe Rogan's all meat diet was a little more reasonable where he also ate eggs and fish. So he, he didn't just eat meat. He just kind of did the low carb thing, I think. So I did low carb this week. I'm going to do low carb next week. And then after that, my goal is to try to add some moderation into it. You know, just like try to break the habit of wanting sugar all the time right now rk said his friend it's anecdotal i'm not giving advice i just giving giving tell the story i know you're I'm not making it clear because i don't I'm want anyone listening Kat Benson what she thinks of this story so i'm, I'm just making it clear because i don't want anyone to be like guys i stopped eating because of your morning guru i started following the uh devil wears prada diet where i was like i don't eat anything <laughs> at all and then when i feel like i'm about to faint i have a cube of cheese no so he has this friend who went on the keto diet for three weeks lost some weight and then went it then like made a a diet where he ate things of moderation i think that's that sounds more sustainable i feel like i'm going to be low carb for these two weeks and then try to eat carbs in moderation after that unless another person we follow 
has a weird diet because then I'll follow their weird diet. Kat Benson says there's so many reasons for sugar. I mean, my reasons for sugar cravings is I eat a lot of clementines to the point where I think I'm addicted to clementines. Uh, so when I don't have clementines, I supplement with popsicles. So I, I, I eat clementines. So well now, now it's snowball season here in new Orleans. So I had an orange snowball yesterday. We got, we got our first snowballs of the year. So I had an orange. I really like citrus. I know gonna, you do. I, I, it's going to burn. Through. It's so acidic. I'm just going to like burn through my body. I'm going to look like Swiss cheese with all these holes. <laughs> I just, I just love citrus, dude. It's, it's the best. Um, questionable hag energy says my low, my carb loving, but got donuts and a bacon coffee roll. Oh dude. I want a donut so bad. Hey, Here's the thing. I'm not going to be low carb for the weekend. The weekend starts this evening. So I'm going to be eating whatever I want for the weekend. And then I'll go low carb again on Monday to be Joe Rogan. Okay. So to be Joe Rogan, what do we have to do next week for him? Lift weights. We have to lift weights and we have to be high. We got to get high on every stream. We have to question the universe. We have to take DMT. Um, well, we can't take DMT because uh, we will get in legal trouble if we take DMT on a live stream. Oh, no, oh, yeah. We can't take it on the stream. We can take it before the stream. And then we can like, sort of talk people through our high experience. Not that we'll, we'd be aware that we're high. We'll just be talking to God. So people, we, people can watch us talk to God. See, this is one of those situations where I can't tell if you're serious or not. I'm not fucking serious about getting DMT. I'm terrified of psychedelics. You think I'm going to jump into the hardest one there is? <laughs> well, you talk all the time about how you wanted to do psychedelics. So I thought maybe you wanted to do DMT this week. but I, I got to like, fix my deadpan delivery. You do. I'm still convinced you're getting my grandma's name as a tattoo. But I am getting her grandma's name. Yeah, tattoo. see, that that's the problem. I, st I can't. I can't. Um, either way, so I want people to ask, why do you have Asia tattooed on you? Guys, it's Kasha. It's the Polish grandma I never met. Yes. Yes. Well, what if we yeah. are related? We could be related. I could be related to anyone. What if your Polish family was like super anti-Semitic and kicked the Jews out of their homes and took our homes, but like our family, you know, you secretly was family? And they just couldn't tell anyone because they were embarrassed during Nazi rule that they were related to Jews. And so my family ran away and your family just corresponded with them and we just lost touch over the years. Well, uh, two things. One, the Nazis didn't really like the Polish either. So yeah, I don't they know. mated them. <laughs> so I'm not sure about that. Uh, but two, I think you should write it as a fan fiction. Someone write that as a, a fan fiction for our morning stream. Write a real person fan fiction about us being secretly family maybe we're secretly cousins or something because of a, some kind of crazy thing that happened yeah someone right I, mean, I have some fiction. polish on my dad's side i'm mostly oh, russian there we go there we go or i'm mostly uh, proudly russian i don't know um Dude, have you ever done one of those 23 of me's no, because uh, I, I considered it, but I don't want the government to, like, have all, I mean, the, like, I just, I'm, I'm one of those, like, conspiracy theorists. I get really scared about people having my information. I haven't done it. I'm not sure why. Maybe I subconsciously have that same fear, but I've been getting really curious lately because, like, my family's all over the world. Like, I got South African family. I got Israeli family who are weird. Um, I have... 
family all over the world. So I, I kind of am curious about where I come from now, unless like I take it and it's like not human. Oh, that would be interesting. Like, oh, you are from That space. would be ideal. <laughs> that would actually be ideal. You are part capybara. That'd be brilliant. You are, sing you, you are not actually an entity. You are just a single cell that became incredibly complex. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's like my Ivy the Boss Babe character. She was a, a, a concept. She was, she was just a, 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 fake, a fake name I applied to jobs with for the meme. And then she came to life when she was spritzed with an essential oils blend at a, at a MLM conference. She has the greatest origin story. She took human form. It's wild. Dude, she deserves a Netflix show. She does. I need to, I'm trying to figure out what video to put her in next because I'm working on some new videos and I'm like, I need to put Ivy in a video. How about her origin story? I just make a little skit that's like Ivy's origin story. Yeah, just sort of, you, you could have like a little amoeba toy, just sort of roll it around. <laughs> and, then, and then you could be boss babe selling essential oils. I love it. I, well, Ivy sells for 15 MLMs. I haven't figured out what all 15 of them are. It's just canon because she said it in a video in the past. You could make some up, I'm sure. It's not yeah. difficult to make an MLM, is it? I don't know. Maybe Ivy can start one of her own. Maybe that'll be her character arc. She'll start her own MLM company. She sells poison ivy plants. <laughs> oh, dude, that's wild. That's wild. Yeah, dude, Joseph is into Ivy. Joseph thinks that Ivy is hot, which is funny because it's just me in a wig. And I think she looks way worse than I do in real life. But, you know, that's the thing. Some people are attracted to my boss babe persona, and that is just fine. They're just attracted to power, Savvy. Attracted to power. They're attracted to power. <laughs> they're, they're attracted to the 48 laws of power and the 12 rules for life. <laughs> Questionable hag had parents do 23 and me. <sighs> Maybe oh, we're man. just cousins. Everyone, oh, we're all we're all related if you go far enough back. That's not true at all. That uh, probably is. It probably is. But we I all just have a ancestor. Maybe it's like a, a like chimpanzees or something. We all have common ancestors if you go far enough back. Well, actually, so I don't know. I mean, I'm sure it is true to some extent, but it's wild to like find out about some of the people still alive today that have Neanderthal genetics, like Ozzy Osbourne. Oh, he does? I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah, he has like some Neanderthal, which is part of the reason why he's able to take like hero dose amounts of drugs or used to be able to. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's interesting, dude. Right? Now I'm going to look up stuff and we should live like him for a week. I mean, no, but <laughs> no. it's a good idea. <laughs> Like I'm, I'm nervous about Joe Rogan, and you're just like, let's take it to the next level. Let's go, let's go heavy metal. Let's go Black Sabbath week. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, so for next week for Joe Rogan, what we need to do is we're gonna lift weights every morning. Oh, let's. Okay, we want to have, we want to do the same thing this week. So let's. You wake up when? Six thirty. I wake up at six. Aaron wakes up at five thirty. Damn. Cool. Okay. No, I'm gonna continue to wake up at seven. You guys, <laughs> do your whatever. I'm gonna, I'm gonna wake up at seven. But I definitely slacked off on the working out these past couple weeks. So this week to be Joe Rogan, I will wake up at seven and I will like text you when I'm awake so we can motivate each other through our morning workouts. And then I will lift a ton of weights. And then I will. I think it is it 
I won't get in any trouble for smoking weed on the stream if it's legal in the place that I'm streaming from, right? I have no idea. You could just not say it's weed. I guess that's true. Well, because I'm going to go to the dispensary this weekend and I'm going to get a bunch of stuff. And I don't really like edibles very much because they make me uh, have like anxiety. Panic attacks? Yeah, I have panic attacks and I, I don't want to have to like end the stream because I have a panic attack. You think it's just um, all edibles or you can just get the dosage wrong? Uh, yeah, I, I think it depends because... I do... Where is it? I know it's 9.5. Let me just double check. I do 9.5 milligrams for my edibles. Well, so here's the thing is like, I remember what I was, I did, I don't remember what milligram it was, but I did one edible that that was that size when I was in Colorado and it was great. And then I, my friend brought some to my birthday party a few weeks later and it was the same size and I had that then, and I was completely a mess. And I was like, oh, well, I don't, I guess something was different in this. But even though it was the same, like, size. It was so the I'm... meth. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so he I went full David Dobrik. He did it for the content. Okay, guys, today we're going to this unsuspecting person's house. They think they're going to have weed, but really, we're going to get them hooked on meth. No. Find out now. I mean, isn't that basically what happened to Peter on Degrassi? Remember, remember Peter? He knew he was smoking meth. No, dude, he thought it was cocaine. That was his excuse when he was like on meth and they were like, Peter, why are you doing meth? And he's like, I thought it was cocaine. Wasn't that, I, I thought, oh shit, maybe he did think it was cocaine the first time. The first time and then he got addicted to meth, dude. I love how on Degrassi characters just casually get addicted to meth and then the plot is wrapped up like an episode later and then they're he just- He got never... over that addiction <laughs> in one episode. He got over that meth addiction so quick, dude. It never, it came back one time later on and it was never even like him questioning if he should do meth again. It was him uh, entra like, uh, entrapping the girl to like see if she still is a meth addict. <laughs> Because he, he went on a date with her. Right, right. It's, it was so dumb. Like, at least one thing that I will always shout out to original Degrassi with is that, like, dude, like, Snake and Spike and, like, those characters, their arc stayed. Like, they didn't do something and then get over it in five minutes, right? You know, Sn Snake was 30 years later after Eli saw Cam's dead body in the greenhouse. And Eli was like... You know, I saw Claude's dead body in the bathroom back in 1991. And it's like, wow, look at that. You guys have some actual arcs. Meanwhile, Peter gets addicted to meth and just, he forgets well, about that, it. That, that was to help Nina Dobrev get off the show. Like that was to have them break up and have him not move to France. Yeah, but the, the ways that they got characters off the show made no sense. Like they didn't even try. They didn't even try. No, they, they didn't even try with her. They could they could have, I mean, they could have just had him, like, reconcile with his parents and want to build that relationship because he valued that more than me. That, more than me that would have made so much more sense if his mom, who had moved to Regina for their grandma. Because she comes back anyway. She like, comes she's back and they do yeah. make up. And so it's like if they made up, he might be like, you know what, mom? You know, I'm not great at living on my own. How about I move in with you or something? Or which she... is which is the later storyline. Right. That is what happens. So just but do it like, then. It, 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 
and you didn't even need the meth. It could have just been instead of meth, it could have just been he wants to fix the relationship with his mom. That would have like, made even, so much more sense. It would have made him likable. I and mean, not likable because he's still horrible, but it would have made, shown him that he has a side where he actually can care about another person. Peter, I, I think, was ruined as a character for me as soon as he was from the get go. Because from he, the, get-go. the first thing he does is blackmail. Is, yeah, he sends around a naked video of Manny, who's like 15 at the time. And, and then it's he gets like, Sean arrested. And yeah, no, dude, he's Peter's just a nasty kid and he get away, gets away with everything because his mom's the principal. Meanwhile, like Spinner got suspended for a whole this year. A Spinner got suspended for a whole year by Mrs. Hatsalakos be, just because, well, Rick shot up the school, but like that wasn't Spinner's fault, dude. Like, Sure, Spinner was rude to Rick, but like Rick was abusive to Terry and put her in a coma, so Rick kind of deserved it. Oh, all Spinner did was say Jimmy was behind the. Pr- oh no, 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 no! Spinner deserved to get uh, yeah. suspended because he did the prank. He dropped. Sp- Spinner he, did he the prank, it. but he didn't deserve to be suspended for the whole year. Like he deserved. Oh, to I, be- I think that made sense because the, oh, no. the prank led to a direct shooting. I mean, but it, 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 and it, it was after it led to a shooting. You can't. I'm out. Can't. I'm out. Time out. It was after there was this huge anti-bullying push because Rick was getting bullied so severely. Sure, but like you can't you can't blame someone for wildly unexpected effects of like so for example, if I decided to play a prank on you and then you decided to go on a killing spree. I am not responsible for the killing spree. That's ridiculous, my dude. No, you're not responsible. That's why you're suspended, not arrested. Yeah, but he just like he he shouldn't he should have gotten in trouble for bullying, not suspended for the whole year. Isn't that in trouble for bullying? It's not like he got arrested. He got suspended for the year for bullying. I just feel like suspending someone for a whole year for playing one prank on someone is It wasn't one prank. It was the last prank. It was the last prank, sure, but I don't know. I feel like season four tried to get you to forget that Rick literally put Terry in a coma by throwing a brick at her head. Oh, I Rick was not sympathetic whatsoever. <laughs> I, no, I, I hate Rick. I, I, and I completely, but I'm just saying Spinner wasn't suspended for one, for one prank. No, no. Rick, Rick, Rick did not, he deserved for every, he, he deserved to be hated by everyone. I'm yeah. not, I'm not taking that away. But then that being said, you don't deserve to be, uh, I don't know. You don't deserve to get away with prank with, with, with being an asshole to him. Uh, in, on school property. Yeah, the, no, that's you, why you have to I enforce agree. those rules. Yeah, he has, you have to enforce those rules. But, dude, like, I don't know. For that prank, maybe Spinner gets suspended for a week or something. The whole school year is excessive. I mean, I don't know. Like, let's not forget that you want to talk excessive. They had Degrassi lockdown because a student almost got stabbed. Well, Degrassi in general is just excessive. My point was, though, that Mrs. Hatsalakos was always so hard on Spinner, but then on her son, Peter, who was literally spreading nudes of underage girls around the school constantly. And planting drugs. And planting drugs. And, yeah, he was doing that all the time, and he never got in trouble. She was, she like, she, she would find out, and she would just, like, get mad at him. And I was like, so Spinner gets suspended for something that was only like very tangentially related to him yet wait 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 we're 24 minutes into a jordan peterson stream and we're talking about degrassi still dude we're talking about degrassi still i was sorry i was trying to i was talking about joe rogan and i don't even remember how we got here 
Um, but the uh, oh, we were talking about drugs that we're gonna take to be Jordan Peterson, and then we started talking about meth. meth, and then we talked about how Peter got addicted to meth. Okay, yeah. Anyway, we're gonna stop talking about Degrassi real quick. We can have a Degrassi because stream. We should have a Degrassi stream because we both have very strong and very different Degrassi opinions, and I like that about us. Um, but yeah, okay, so yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna uh, we're gonna get high on every stream. I'm only gonna get high on every stream if you promise to do it with me. I need to know you're serious. I don't have any weed. Oh, are you gonna get some? I don't know. The guy who I went who I asked doesn't have any. <laughs> Oh. I'll look around. I mean, the only option I have right now is possibly getting a vape pen. And I swore off vape pens because I don't really feel like having all of that damage from, like, it's really hard on your lungs. I don't really feel like dying over weed. No, you shouldn't die. No, I agree <laughs> yeah. with that. I didn't know if you, do you have like a dispensary you go to? No, 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 no. I'm legal in New York. I'm not legal in Louisiana. Oh, okay. Then maybe we shouldn't get high on the stream because I don't want you to get in legal trouble. It's decriminalized in Louisiana, not in Louisiana, it's, oh, okay. it's decriminalized in New Orleans, so if you get caught, it's a fine, as long as you don't have, like, enough to, for them to say intent to distribute. Okay, what do you guys think in the chat? Let us know. Do Excuse you want me? <laughs> I haven't, uh, I, I, I've been sober for, like, months. <laughs> Let us know in the chat, do you... Do you think we uh, should be high on the stream next week, or do you think we should just uh, work out and interview a ton of people? And what do you guys think? I've been stoned three times so far this year, Cher. Don't be rude. <laughs> Thank you, Question Black. I appreciate it. No, I'm I, just, I started vaping, and then all of that information came out about like how vapes are sending kids to the hospital and shit like that. And I don't know how true or false it all is, but it was enough to scare me. I have not been high since 2019. So I should take it easy. Okay, Kitty says we should at least we should be high at least once. Amanda says we should get super high before the stream starts. I mean, maybe I mean I'm sure I could get some by Friday. So maybe we just do the wrap okay, up. Okay, maybe we'll we'll do it for the wrap up. Okay. Yeah. Especially because I don't know if I can confidently say I'm gonna get stoned every morning before a stream and then jump into finance. <laughs> like I know That's it worked true. for Wolf of Wall Street, but that was uppers. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. Okay, we'll do it for Fridays. Okay, guys. Next Friday we'll get high on the stream. That's what we'll do. Every other day we will just uh we'll just do regular stuff. We, we, we okay, so <laughs> we're just we'll just do hand stuff. <laughs> like <it's never laughs> okay, so yeah, so we will okay, we'll be high next Friday. Every other day we will not be high. We'll call uh, it high day. Hi that exactly. <laughs> uh, but we need to be Joe Rogan every day, so we need to interview people every day. So interviews are gonna be a big part of what we do. So everyone, we need to interview someone every day. We kind of got the interviewee has to be stoned too. Yeah, whoever we interview on Friday, you also, yeah. We're, 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 and we don't want someone to try it for the first time. It's someone who would already be high anyway, because we're not encouraging. Right. Um, yeah, so who whoever wants to be interviewed next week, hit whoever us up. Whoever already wake and bakes, hit us up. Mushroom Destroyer <laughs> will be high on Friday with us. She just, she just, just said she totally said, outed her. <laughs> well, it. no, she said right here. She, she said in the chat. Fantastic. Mushroom Destroyer, you are fantastic. Your boyfriend's fantastic. 
your cleaning techniques of just vacuuming, vacuuming the couch is fantastic. You're fantastic. I gotta just remember to send everyone all the links. Um, so, oh, Joseph, you can come on the stream on Wednesday if you want. Kitty's, yo, you want to come on and talk about Degrassi? Yeah, we could just do a Joe Rogan interviews Kitty about Degrassi stream. That's I wonder great. if we could get a Degrassi kid because like they're not stars. Like they, like we could probably find a Degrassi character. Well, to come let's on. see, let's see who Keelan knows. Who does Keelan know? Keelan knows? Oh, dude, rest in peace again to Jaleel French. Yeah, yeah, that was very sad. But uh, I, I wonder if we could get a Degrassi star to come on. They're our not show. that big, right. dude. We should go. We should go for Snake. Dude, Snake, Snake has a devoted following. We should absolutely go for Snake. We said we should see if we can get Snake on, dude. His he had this whole thing during the 2020 election where he would like every day look at one of Trump's tweets. And re like quote tweet it and make it about Degrassi. It was just like amazing every time. I don't. I don't it, was just, it was it was the best part of election Twitter. Dude, imagine if we got Snake on this. I mean, do, do you think he'd be down to? Talk? I mean, he's definitely down to talk Degrassi. He know he knows what made him famous. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's sort of like I always appreciate that Daniel Radcliffe is not afraid to talk Harry Potter anytime. Yeah, he like knows what made him famous. Yeah, he, he he's not the kid who's just like, man, I want to move on from this role. He's like, no, I I know I know that this is sort of a big deal. I know that it's going to be with me forever. I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah, dude, let's see if we can get someone who was on Degrassi at any point. So we could probably even, we could probably even like like the the people who were on Degrassi in the 80s and 90s they they are even less famous now. Like, because most of them, because it, at that point, it was really just a Canadian public television show. So most of them were, it, they were not even attempting to be actors. It was like just for fun. So I bet. Next Generation is clearly the most famous. And then the most recent one is a little less famous just because it was not as popular. And then the right. 80s ones, I don't know if the 80 ones are more or less popular than them. Yeah, so the next generation, like middle of the next generation seasons, that was when people really started getting famous from it, like Drake. And Nina and Dobrev. Nina Dobrev. And Honestly, even Manny Santos is pretty famous. Like when she posts online. Oh yeah, Manny's gets... like a, a TikToker now. <laughs> yeah, I mean she blew she she did that Busset challenge with the with the Manny thong, which blew up. <laughs> no, um, we can try to get Drake. I don't think that's gonna happen. I think yeah. the, we're we're just trying to get someone who's not famous. I think we so have a better chance with contra points than Drake. Yeah, dude, I was tweeting at ContraPoints. I was like, come on our podcast. I hope she does at some point. I like her so much. Just remind her that you both went to Northwestern. I I will. I need to do that. Just well, say, I, she, come on, school she, spirit. She, I don't think she liked it. I think she dropped out. School spirit. School spirit, anyway. <laughs> um, Show Northwestern his boss. Just remind them how famous you are on my podcast. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. We can talk about how few dollar, how few alumni dollars you've sent back. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll maybe I'll tweet that. I always don't know. Like, I'm always trying to strike the balance of like, if should I keep tweeting at someone and hope that they will respond and notice me, or should I stop tweeting at someone because they're gonna think I'm being weird by tweeting at them so much? Just tweet deck schedule your tweets daily. Hey, yeah, Contra, sure. That's on. who I was thinking. Someone like Melanie or Tessa or um, Kathleen, like one of those characters. Oh yeah, Manny was in Full Court Miracle. And um, 
what's his face? Craig was in um, Mom's Got a Date with a Vampire. Dude, a lot of the Degrassi kids were in the um, Disney original movies. Yeah. My dad watched Full Court Miracle this year during Hanukkah because he was looking for more Jewish movies and he was laughing. Like, he couldn't get through the whole thing. I made him get through the whole thing after he told me he tried. And he was like, this movie is all Jewish stereotypes. I can't handle it. <laughs> he was just cracking up the whole time. He was like, Ari, I had to, I was choking on laughter when they were talking about the their PSAT scores or their SAT scores. Because he was like, of course, they're all talking their scores. And they all knocked him out of the park. And they're all just, like valuing their, their place in, in their school hierarchy based on. He's like, it was so Jewish. It was so, in Buffalo, it was like Kadima, the Jewish school there. Like, <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah. Jewish I, stereotypes are funny. I think should we? Where should we reach out to Degrassi stars? LinkedIn, Instagram. What do you think? Uh, honestly, maybe Twitter. Twitter. All right, let's do it. I'll put together a list of Degrassi stars that we should attempt, and then you should do the reach outs because you're better at reach outs than me. I mean, we could have scripted it anyway. Fun fact, y'all. Did you know the first person to score a basket in the NBA was Jewish? Yeah, suck it. Okay, let's keep going. Oh, well, that's great. Congratulations to him. Yeah, just wanted to just wanted to, to let y'all know that that fun fact. Oscar Sheckman. So, yes, we, we are going to try to get some interesting guests on this show for the future. Paige um, would be a good choice, dude. I, I love Paige. I know you would, but Paige you love Holly J the most. Oh my god, I love Holly J. But yeah. Keelan couldn't get you her with Keelan, all of her connections. Keelan could not get connect me with Holly J. But I wonder if Keelan could connect us with like anyone and get them on our podcast. In, in the meantime, in the meantime, we should just get Keelan on our podcast because she was an extra on Degrassi, and that's a good start. Yeah, oh, I'm totally down to have Keelan back on. She's cool, peeps. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but as far as cold calling Degrassi stars is concerned, thank you for putting it that way, Christina. I'm sure we can have some fun with it. I'm sure I'm, I would I would love to get any of the original Next Generation cast on. I want yeah, um, yeah. I think we need to have some really good interviews next week because if we're gonna be Joe Rogan, he does really interesting interviews, and we just have to act like total stoner bros the whole time while also asking questions that trap the other person. Now we don't have to trap the other person if they're not being a dick. Like for example, he is able to own Jordan Peterson in an argument because Jordan Peterson is saying some dumb bullshit. Do we need to only find Dixon? No. Well, I definitely want to have mushroom destroyer on, on, on Friday. And then I want to have Kitty on one day. So that uh, Kitty can talk to Grassy with us pretending to be Joe Rogan. That'll be fun. Um, and then, who else should we? Yeah. Um, should we talk to Jordan Peterson on this at all or no? Yeah, no, we will in just a minute. Sorry. No. Oh, Kat Benson, you should come back on next week so you can talk about all meat diets with us. Um. Yeah, this this will be fun. We'll make all the interviews happen this weekend. I'll try to get them try to get them scheduled and things like that. That's the thing is for the show we don't normally schedule interviews. We're just like, who wants to come on? All right, come on, let's do yeah. it. Because we're a morning show. It's less it's less scheduling interviews and more like having callers come on. 
Yeah, having callers come on. Yeah. But I guess if we're going to be Joe Rogan, we've got to take on more of the interviewer persona. So I'm trying to find people who are on Degrassi on LinkedIn, but my method doesn't work because pe too many people are actually named Degrassi. Oh, interesting. So we can't go the LinkedIn route. Well, we can go the LinkedIn route. I'll just give you a list of actor names to reach out to. I think Instagram might be the best route just because you can slide into anyone's DMs on Instagram. Yeah, I think we could do Instagram, but I think we should do LinkedIn for the older ones, like for the people who are on the show in like 1987. You think that they have LinkedIn or you think they're just like, man, I'm successful enough already. I'm chill. I'm just going to enjoy. No, my I don't think someone success. who was on a Canadian public television show when they were 14 in 1987 was set for life. No, I don't think so. Yeah. But do you think they're on LinkedIn? <laughs> Probably. Yeah. And they might be set for life in Canada. You don't know. Is it super cheap to live in Canada? Not in Toronto. It's actually super expensive, but. Well, then they're probably <laughs> not. But I don't know. I doubt they live in Toronto. <laughs> all right, y'all. So we're, we're going to make all this happen for Joe Rogan week. But right now we are wrapping up Jordan Peterson week. And we have been not talking about him because we just keep getting off track. And because he's such a boring sack of trash. Maybe they live in Markham. Yeah, maybe. Shout out to the Canadians in Markham. My my brother has a lot of in-laws in Markham because they have this huge Chinese population there. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Awesome. They actually literally drive up there before the pandemic for the, uh, for the grocery stores. <laughs> 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 okay. So full disclosure, I am not finished 12 rules for life yet because <sighs> I know I, it's, here's the thing. I can only listen to him go on so many incel rants like making a point and then suddenly having to tie it all back to the fact that most men are not alpha enough to get any women and that this is because of the dominance hierarchy. I'm like, dude, just get back to your point. There's only so, and I'm going to continue to listen to it. I'm going to listen to it when I walk Chewy after this stream today. Do you but, have up the listens to Jordan Peterson once video? Uh, oh, wait, let me get that one up. Well, uh, we watched that one yesterday while you were sleeping off the vaccine. Oh, but don't be rude. I was however, recovering. I was however, recovering unconsciously. However, there is a video he has that we haven't watched yet called Listens to Jordan Peterson Twice. Dude, his voice sounds like, like, he really goes for the Kermit voice. He goes for the Kermit thing. So I'm going to pull that one up and have him do Listens to Jordan Peterson Twice. Let me find it. Oh, he also has a Grant Cardone one. I have not seen the Grant Cardone one. Okay, here's watches Jordan Peterson. Jordan Peterson twice. All right, hold up. I'm going to pull this up. All right, here we go. Dude, I really appreciate Seth Rogen's level of fame right now. I mean, he got all this money, and now he's like, I'm just going to sell pot and pottery. <laughs> like, he's a little pee-pee. <laughs> Hello? Hey. Hello, have you ever seen The Simpsons? <laughs> uh, has anyone not seen The Simpsons? I, I was watching the, the Simpsons the other day, you know? Yes. And, oh. and, and, and I deconstructed. Women, you could say, are like nature, but, but the, 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 that's wrong. The reason <laughs> the soul is because Homer is, is dedicated. The way he does the voice is so <laughs> 
Y'all wait. I like his Simpsons tangents because I feel like Jordan Peterson will randomly bring up things like The Simpsons and be I, like, I, I, as Homer Simpson said. I just want to say that so we don't feel guilty about watching this guy's stuff on our stream and ta potentially taking away views from him, even though he's doing quite well. Y'all should subscribe to him. I'm going to give What's this his? video a like. Uh, his channel is called Captain Sinbad. Captain Sinbad. And also, he's getting ad ad revenue from me watching these on here. But yeah, oh, it's also, beautiful. We're pausing enough. I'm hoping we're pausing enough and uh, talking in between enough that we won't get the stream flagged. We'll see. Well, even if it's claimed, it's a bit. We're not monetized. It's yeah, just it's claimed. claimed. It's not a problem. But remember that time that we watched the Mary Kate and Ashley Gimme Pizza video, and that our whole stream got taken down because of it. That yeah, was but wild. That that's not always the case. I mean, I feel like that's just with really rude cases. More often than not, they'll just claim it and run ads on it, and then they'll take profit. Honestly, I feel like why wouldn't you just do that? That's just such a. I agree. It makes the most sense. Exactly. Then you capture, then you capture those views too. It's like. Exactly. Yeah. Some entities are just stupid and get in the way of their own best interest. Fucking it's fuckers. Well, he's an alcoholic that likes people. Well, we, we have a lot in common, do you not? I see that. Alexa, man, they're the gatekeepers to sexual access. And, and your job is to bloody well kick that gate down, isn't it? How are you going to go about <laughs> kicking the gate down? You could start by increasing your competence. Now, 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 that would be a good place to start. And that way, the woman will open up the gates. You're, you're looking at basically an archetypal male. you got to increase your competence, you dumb shit. So when a woman sees this, synapses in her brain, they light up like dopamine receptors and serotonin that's the thing that everybody misses i love how, I love how he keeps, he'll say something wild and be like that's the thing that everybody misses he's a he, he's a he's a funny dude he's a funny guy also because jordan peterson does that all the time he'll say something wild and be like that's the thing that everybody misses is that the lobsters like to stand up straight and that the the female lobsters only like the male lobsters that stand up straight and that, that's how humans are that's what everybody misses yeah that's absolutely i don't know it's one of those things that like i think it's really important if you're building an audience online um especially around um inte like intellect uh it's really important to remind everyone that's listening to you that not only are you smarter than everyone else but they're smarter than everyone else for listening to you so things like that's the thing that everybody misses really sent creates that sense of importance because they're like man if i'm listening to you i'm catching the thing that everybody's missing and i'm better exactly than them. dude i feel like every all the stuff he does is so intentional to get people i guess this is the question do we think jordan peterson is a cult leader and if so do we think his cult is intentional do you think he's intentionally being a cult leader do you think, okay, so here's the question. Do you think he's smart? And if you think he's that smart, do you think he's diabolical? Uh, if, he, if the answer to both of those are yes, then the answer to if he started a cult intentionally is yes. Now that's an interesting question because I'm really not sure. It's really hard to read people's, in, people's intentions. Like I think that he's, do I think that he's smart? I think that he's very knowledgeable, but I don't think he's emotionally intelligent. Do you need to be emotionally intelligent to start a cult leader or do you need to be the opposite of emotionally intelligent? Do you need to be emotionally stunted? I don't know. That's what's interesting. Cause like you need to be emotionally intelligent in the sense that you can, you can manipulate other people's emotions, but you don't need to necessarily have your own emotions. You really need to feel much yourself. Yeah. So I guess my question is, are they like hyper in tune with the emotions to the point where they can't control anything except them? Or are they the exact opposite and then people are just naturally drawn to them? I don't know. What does everyone think? Like, this is a, an interesting question. Like, do we think that Jordan Peterson has no emotions or do we think that he has emotions and 
like do we think he intentionally appeals to other people's emotions and manipulates them on purpose or do we think he just doesn't have enough emotional intelligence to do that and is instead just appealing to people i don't know this is an interesting it's an interesting emotionally intelligent and morally stunted is what spence says that might be that might be accurate actually that might be accurate Okay, because then morals is a completely different question too. But also the weird thing is, not even the weird thing, it's something I've noticed particularly with the right, which is that they rely heavily on religion, not for the sake of religion, because uh, I don't even think Jordan Peterson is religious, but because religion comes with the Ten Commandments and they think that you need those moral principles to guide you through life, which is something I don't disagree with, but I don't think you need to rely on religion for the moral principles. I think we could absolutely create our own and that if you don't have them, then you can lead this sort of existenceless life, uh, just sort of like wandering or floating through the cosmos with no idea of what of what to do what direction to go or any calling but you don't and and i can see why religion is so appealing to those because it has this ready-made packaging of principles and morals to follow but it's potentially more rewarding to come to come up with your own and live by them yeah that's why i'm not i i is Jordan Peterson religious? I think he might actually be religious. I don't think he is. You think he just like studies the Bible as an intellectual? Yeah, I don't I don't think he, I don't like I think he was raised religious. I don't think he's actually religious. I think he respects religion. Um I think he respects the teachings of religion. I know he respects that it, um I know he respects the rules of religion because he's all about order. Um but I don't think he's religious himself. I also feel like living a life that where you're that obsessed with order sounds like a very stressful and sad existence. I don't know if I agree or not with that. I, th I think it's very easily manipulated, be manipulated um, because if you're overly obsessed with order, uh, you can view any form of chaos as a negative energy into your life, um, which could create stress uh, or it could be like, it could be the wrong kind of order. Like, Okay, I don't want to go to like the extreme examples of fascism, but like some of the greatest evils in the world were hyper ordered. Um, right. So I can definitely see why a hyper fixation on order is bad. But then some of the other teaching he draws on, like Confucius, I mean, Confucius was incredibly ordered. Like Confucius was, you can't uh, align with the universe if you don't properly adjust the mat that you're going to be meditating on to the correct angle. Like, no. like. <laughs> So like I can see the need for order. I can see the need for um for wanting things. Like sure. I mean, even myself. I think it's like, a thing where you need yeah. a you need to balance it a little bit. Like I think there is some need for order, but at the same time, I think that it, it's where you need it. Like where you need a balance. I'm a pretty chaotic person overall, but that doesn't mean that I just you know there. Uh, I don't know. I feel like I still have order in my life. I think that you need a little bit of a balance. If you just have too much of one or the other, yeah, and you're gonna, you're gonna, it's gonna be just, it's gonna be an extreme situation, and I feel like that will be stressful. But even he says that you need a balance. So I, th I feel I've never read a self help book that said that you that you need just one or just the other. Um, the only thing I've read extremes in the self help books I've been reading is the extreme uh, belief in taking responsibility for everything, which, as I said on the stream before, I don't think is, it's sort of like you talking about going carbless for a short period of time. I don't think taking responsibility for everything for a brief period of time is the worst thing in the world, because I think it's easier to go from that to taking a little less responsibility and finding a healthier balance than to go from taking responsibility to not for nothing. And then take slowly taking responsibility for more things and finding a healthy balance. I think it's easier to, to correct yourself when you overcorrect on the side of activity 
or order than it is on chaos and disorder. Yeah, I think that might be true. Because one is, it's the same thing with like writing. It's easier, and I don't necessarily say this from experience because I really struggle with editing, but it's easier to uh, complete a book that's already written and you're in the editing and rewriting phase than it is to come up with everything and build something completely new. That's interesting. I think that depends on the on someone's writing process because you know people talk about how like some writers outline and have to outline everything, other writers just you know go into it and the the main joy and the most the most thrilling part of it for them is just writing a story from from scratch, from nothing the first time and then the editing part is kind of the like is it the editing part? I don't know. I think rewriting edit and editing is really difficult for me. I, I agree, but you have, still have to do it. Oh, you still have to do it, sure. But my point is, I don't necessarily think that for everyone, editing and rewriting is easier than writing from nothing in the first place. I think for some people that the like chaotic, like writing from nothing and no outline or anything is like the part that comes the smoothest to them. Maybe easy is the wrong word because here's a better way of putting it. Would you feel comfortable pitting the publish on the rough draft? Because what's easier to come up with Honestly, a finished product? I'm again, I'm such a chaotic person that I I probably would. If someone was like, Savvy, I dare you to publish your rough draft of a book, I would probably be like, All right. Not everyone has your confidence, Savvy. I mean, I'm not even confident. <laughs> I know that there would be big flaws with it and things that were wrong, but like I also Is that just, not confidence saying like, I know this sucks. I'm going to put it out there anyway. Yeah, people are going to love it. <laughs> not even that people are going to love it. Just that like, I don't know. That's the thing. Like, um, but I've always been a person that just jumps into things without fully knowing Thinking. what I'm doing. I, yeah, I just jump into things. I'm sure, very give me that math. No, not the math. <laughs> but like, for example, in 2016, I put out Beauty King and that book does have a lot of problems, but I put that book out in 2016 and I didn't know anything about the publishing world. I was just in the point where I was like, I want to learn about the publishing world. So I'm going to learn by doing it. And I know a lot of people, I did it, like I did everything wrong with that book. I know a lot of people who release their first book and have such a better release and they have, you know, so much more reception to it and everything. Me, I was like, all right, I want to learn about this. So I'm going to click publish on this book. It has a shitty looking cover that I made in GIMP. It has like a, it, like it's, it's a mess, but I'm going to put, I, at the time I didn't think it was a mess. I thought I liked the book, but like I put it up there. And so I was like selling almost nothing and I didn't know how to get reviews. And then from there I was like, well, I have a book that's out there in the world. So now I have to learn about how publishing works and now I have to learn how to sell books and things like that. So I started going to like group meetups and free talks that people would have about it and writing conferences and things like that. And I also started you know, joining writing communities online. I started a blog. This was before I started YouTube and things like that. So I forced myself to learn it. And then when I went to release Forever Home Friends, I had such a better idea of what I was doing. But Beauty King, I released in 2016. And cumulatively, it has still sold the least of any book I've ever released, even though it's been out for six years. Meanwhile, Savvy Business Owner's been out for six months and has sold more than, it sold like triple what Beauty King has sold in its entire six years. 
you touch on a lot of points there that I love. Um, yeah. The first one being, as far as that last point, uh, yeah, Beauty King has sold the least. Um, me meaning, as far as like outcome is concerned, it's had the worst outcome. I'm not saying that like positively. I'm just saying just financially speaking, it's had the worst outcome. Um, but what you just described is in most of the self-help books that we've been reading um, because it talks about the importance of, which is funny because the self-help industry wants you to do the exact opposite. Uh, but if you actually read the books, it tells you to do what you just did, which is you learn infinitely more by action and doing than you do by uh, learning and studying. Uh, the best way to become a published author is to publish a book. It forces you to learn. Yeah. yeah. So so uh, what you just described right there, that journey, it's all about the importance of action over motion. Atomic Habits talks about it. I believe Seven Habits talks about Actually, no, I know Seven Habits talks about it. They're all blending together. I basically just have all of these books I read as one published binding in my brain called self-help. Um, this but, is why, okay, this is why I need to like, I'm going to, I'm trying, um, before I read my next nonfiction book for one of these streams I'm going to I'm, I'm working I'm reading a fiction book in between right now because if I don't break it up a little bit I start to not know what's from which book and it all blends together and when I'm reading Jordan Peterson's bullshit I don't want to like I don't want to like attribute something he said to someone like I feel like it'll mess it up well I mean that's why like I'm not I don't think I mess up the seven habits because I took the notes but uh, I kind of wish I took notes for everything else. I don't need to take notes for 10x because it's just 10x in every. Like, I'm not going to take it. notes on the 12 rules for life because. Well, you, you don't know, have to. They're all they're... online. Oh, that's true. That's true. You just Google 12 rules for life, and then you read the rule, and then you'll remember the chapter. That's what I've been doing whenever you talk about it. I look it up and I look at the rules. I'm like, okay, I remember that chapter. Yeah. Um, someone asked me if I've taken the Enneagram test. Yeah, but I don't remember what I was, so maybe I'll have to take it again. Uh, give me five minutes. Okay. So maybe I will take an Enneagram test. I feel like, I feel like I was maybe a three or a four, although I can't remember for sure. I don't know. I've also, people have asked me about taking the Myers-Briggs test. I have taken that because people asked me to. I've taken it a couple times and I'm a hundred percent extrovert. And then the other three things are 50, 50 and go back and forth, but depending on what day I took the test. So I don't know what that makes me uh, because you know, I got the E cause I'm an extrovert, like a hundred percent. There is no introvert in me. And then uh, there is like the, what is it? Like the N F E N T P or, I, I something F J T. I don't remember now, guys. I'm sorry. Um, but the other three letters I, I could go either way on all the time. So that's my personality type for the Myers-Briggs test. I don't know my personality type for the Enneagram test. I think it's a four, three or a four. I don't, can't remember for sure though. Uh, I'll have to take it again because I don't remember. Uh, questionable hag energy says, is that disc disc is another test business people like I to take it for a grad school class. Oh, I've never heard of that one. Tell me more about it. Um, I'd love to hear about it. Uh, let's see. What's this dude going to say? She's, she's excited about this man. You know, every day I get messages from men, you know, they tell me that they've cleaned their room. <laughs> and that their dicks have gotten bigger because of it. It's so good, you know? 
There's no, there's no harm in it. No, young men. Dude, I should have cleaned my room this week. I can't believe I lived Jordan Peterson week and didn't clean my room. Okay, yeah, Mushroom Destroyer and my J&P are always 50-50. Okay, good, good. Mushroom Destroyer gets me, because I'm like 50-50 on all of them, except the E, guys. I am 100% extroverted. I cannot be alone for more than like five minutes before I start to question my place in the universe and end up falling asleep. Today, they, they need my help. They, they need to know <laughs> well, that. Well, now he's just like at the mall. You know, things <laughs> will happen here. Uh, my, name's, my name's Papa, but you can call me Jordan. Jordan. Listen, what's your name? Let me ask you something, buddy. Are you conscientious? Do you clean your room? Yes. You Dude, I love this era on YouTube. It, it's like very awkward to watch, but it was also this whole era where people would go out in public and just um address random people and ask them questions. And if someone answered, it would get put into the video. I kind of, I oh, I loved that. I don't know if I would be a person who would do that just because I have, from working in telemarketing, I have a fear of like cold approaching people it, it, for a business reason. Like I can just cold approach people to be like, hey, your dog's cute. What's up? I like your sweater, whatever. But if I'm doing it for a business reason, I start to feel other, I guess I've gotten good at sales for my own business. But if I were to just approach someone in public like this, I feel like I'd get a little awkward. Um, Yeah. Yes. Oh, bring it up, <laughs> how how can I bear that burden? But the, you know the thing is, uh, when other men they they look at me and I tell them that you've got to be willing to bear <laughs> your burden, man. and their eyes light up. Oh, look at that little guy! Oh, look at this cute little guy! Why? Your nose is going to get bigger, and then you're not going to be able to turn into a monster. They've got to be able to face the chaos of the world. Merry Christmas, you filthy animal! So, what would you say young men need today to 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 build up their status and and to win a woman to to break break the I think a personality really helps. You have to be funny. Well, I'm plenty funny. Do chemistry, I need... chemistry. Well, I think we've got we've got plenty of chemistry between the two of us right now. That's true. That's just the thing, isn't it? That's what everybody wants. <laughs> I love that video. Also, this is making me miss going to the mall. Does anyone else like really miss the mall? I. Like, I don't know if it's a pandemic thing or what. It's like a combination of a pandemic and an increase in online shopping thing. Because, as you know, there are still plenty of malls that are existing and thriving. However, a lot of malls have been dying out, right? Like, there's a lot of malls that have been closing down or having a lot fewer stores or renting out office space and things like that. And I think, you know, it's because people are you know, shopping online a lot more and malls are just not the same kind of place they used to be, especially now that we're in a pandemic. However, dude, I still love the mall. I love the mall so much. And I cannot wait to go back to the mall after I get vaccinated. That's going to be what I do. I'm going to go downtown to the water tower place and just ride the escalators up and down. That's my favorite part of malls is just riding the escalators, riding the escalators and looking at all the, the stores around me. I don't even buy anything most of the time. I just look at, I just ride escalators. <laughs> that, and I used to do that like when I was be working on a writing project and I'd have some like free time and I wanted to work on something, but I ran out of ideas. I would just like go to malls and ride escalators and, and then sit at a random table, either like in a food court or just like a random bench in the mall. And then I would work on the writing there. And then if I got bored, I would ride the escalators again. That's, that's my chaotic energy, but that's how I got so much writing done a couple of years ago. And then I would go get a donut somewhere. Oh, guys, I'm missing. And now I'm just like, it just triggered all the stuff. I'm starting to miss my pre-pandemic life a lot.
Oh my God. Oh, a YouTube channel that explores dead malls. Oh, dude, I need to watch that. I need to watch that. That sounds amazing. Um, yeah, I do. I buy a lot of clothes online and I've gotten used to measuring my body and measuring my clothes so that I can get clothes that fit when I buy them online. I use tape measure now. Um, but no, dude, nothing, nothing is quite as fun as going to the mall. Y'all, I love the mall. Oh, the DISC test. The four categories are dominance, influence, steadiness, and compliance. They rank each quadrant in a number. So for DISC, I was 52, 44, high dominance, low influence, medium steadiness, medium compliance. Oh, that's interesting. I'm going to take that test now that we know about it. We need to take some personality tests on this stream as well. What's the Dead Mall channel called? I have no idea. Is it, oh, Bright Sun Films? Maybe that one? Okay, I'm going to check that out because y'all... Guys, I miss the mall so much. I miss riding the escalators. I miss going to the food court. I miss working on my writing next to a fountain. Oh, man. that's Guys, I'm getting vaccinated, and I am darting off to the mall. And I'm going to just ride escalators all day. Everything nice yeah. about the mall is ruined by how stressful the parking lots are. Well, see, that's why you just live like me and don't have a car. No. Okay. See, yeah, nothing not is... Everything's way less stressful when you don't have a car. You never have to worry about where to park it. You never have to worry about paying for parking. You never have to worry about paying car insurance. You never have to, in Chicago specifically, people, a huge thing here, right, is that the the snow, right? People's cars get covered with snow. And people often have to, they, people often put furniture. They like call dibs on parking spots on the street by putting furniture in the street so that if it, like, that's, that's going to be their spot when it snows. Like, it's a whole thing. So anyway... I don't have to worry about any of that because I just don't yeah. Know what you just did was demonstrate that you can turn any asset into uh, like you can change the perspective of any asset into a liability. I mean, you could do the same thing with a home. You could literally do the same thing with money. This is why not having any money is fantastic. You don't have to worry about paying higher taxes. You don't have to worry like <laughs> you don't have to worry about what you're gonna buy. Life is so simple. <laughs> well, here's the thing I would say about having a lot of money. I think I think making. An average amount of money, I like make like I feel like if your family income averages to like seventy thousand a year per adult, that's the sweet spot. I feel like you don't want to go above that. You don't want to go below that unless you have a lot of kids or something. Then it might be different. I'd but say seventy nine, so you still qualify for the stimulus check. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Well, because <laughs> if you go if you go too much above that, then now now you're gonna you're gonna have to pay all these higher taxes and stuff. If you go below that, then it's gonna be a lot harder to fulfill your needs and also to have spending money and things like that. So that's why I'm saying, dude. No, I think making a, a median amount of money is fantastic. I never I don't plan to ever be super rich. That's not my goal. I plan on being super rich leaving the internet and living my life in the park as a chess grandmaster. That's my new goal. Yeah, I, I could see that. I think you're going to be such an adorable, like, old man who plays chess. That's the goal. Um, I mean, I definitely think that the whole idea, especially now when you see the likes of, like, David Dobrik getting in trouble now, it really, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that he didn't do because he obviously did horrible things, but I'm just saying right. I think the nature of fame, specifically internet fame, is you either... And now I'm just going to quote Dark Knight, which is pathetic. So I'm going to try and put this in my own words. But, but I know what you're about to say. 
Yeah, but I'm not. I'm not going to say it like that. You, you, you either leave them wanting more, or you, you live past your time. Like you, you, you're, you're either you're either going to leave the internet loved, or you're going to stay on and eventually have someone hate you. Are you saying that you either die? I yes, or I am saying that. To shit. The I am absolutely saying. But that. here's I was the thing, though. I think on the internet, if you do become the villain, you just got to power through it because you will become the hero again. Yeah, you will, but that's a completely different story arc. Like that—that's talking about the stories of of um, it's like of revival and shit like that. Like PewDiePie has been the hero and the villain countless times on the internet, but he just keeps trucking. Like, good for him, man. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I almost see him as the antihero yeah. <laughs> at this point. Um, but I do hear you out on that, and I don't know. It's just if you have the bandwidth to deal with that with that much and that kind of attention. You're going to be incred an incredibly powerful entity on the internet. Um, if that's what you want, then you're going to be 10x that power. Uh, if that's not what you want, though, it's apps. It's infinitely better to leave them wanting more and disappear. I mean, I would almost say that the most powerful internet person could have been. Oh fuck! Now I'm going to even forget his name as this example. The 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 the, the shit talker, the guy who just made had videos of himself uh, playing video games and talking shit about everyone on the internet. And he just—he was recently uh, kicked off. Good friends with Keemstar. Oh, oh, I know who you mean. Shit, exactly. I forgot his name too. Though. Exactly. Like he—he—he he, he was almost Is this a hero. Like an example if we've both forgotten his name, though. It's a fantastic example for this reason. He was a hero and an icon on the internet when he just left on his own power. Then he came back, and he got kicked off, and now it's—he's forgettable. And this is the point that everyone misses. This is what everyone misses. <laughs> Um, let's see, what is, oh, Marie was asking, is the public transportation good in Chicago? Yes, it is really good here. Oh, not have... least, yeah. Leafy, Leafy is here. Oh, you were Leafy. talking about Leafy. I thought you were talking about someone else. Sorry, I had, but no, dude, Leafy, yeah, Leafy, Leafy is a perfect example of that. Yeah, if Leafy left at his height, like how he did the first time, and he stayed off the internet, he would have gone down as a legend. I think he ruined his reputation by coming back, not because he did anything different, though he he did tone down on the personal tax. And like I would almost say he came back more respectable than he than he left because he was only going after he was not punching down. He was only going after larger creators, and he was riding momentum. He wasn't creating it. Um, I'm not saying what he did was right or wrong. I'm just saying I think it was more respectable than what he was doing before because punching yeah. down on small creators is rude. Um, yeah. But he sort of left uh, not a legend anymore. I mean, you could you could say he you, his legend is that he was once a legend, but I think he lost his legend I status. I think there's something we had something similar with. Uh, did you ever watch Monkey Jones? No, I don't even know who that is. Monkey Jones was like, I mean, he he wasn't he had a similar sense of humor as like leafy he was one of those like edgy i mean he still has a channel but it doesn't have the traction it used to but basically he had this channel where he did like these short films and skits that were like pretty offensive but meant to be humorous and i kind of liked them uh but he he would be like an edgelord kind of guy and then he got he got kicked off of youtube based on there's this i'll send you there's like whole documentaries that have been made on this because he got kicked off of youtube where he was issued three strikes to his channel in the same day, and they seemed to be suspicious because they weren't really for anything. So it became kind of clear that someone just wanted him. They didn't like him being on YouTube. And when this happened to him, he kept like trying to make like other channels. And he had like this whole like following of people who was basically in his corner as being like, 
oh my god, this guy was unfairly taken off of YouTube, and like he became like this martyr for free speech on the internet and things like that. And then um, he eventually made a new channel and came back and gained about a hundred thousand subs to his new channel after he came back and stuff. And then the, but what happened was that like his, you could see his life deteriorating and it, people just started to think it was like depressing because he was like making all of these mistakes and he was like, everything was a mess and everyone was like, Oh God, dude, this is depressing. And he's not really, he, he was like, he, he, maybe if he hadn't come back, he would have just kept that status as like the internet's martyr for free speech or something, you know? Yeah. I feel and like I, he's a really good example of that. And I understand why it's difficult. Cause it's not like we see this only on the internet. You see it in professional sports all the time. Someone going beyond their years, someone who was a legend and will be a legend after they retire. I think actually with sports, it's not an exact example because more often than not, if they go beyond their time, they don't ruin their legendary status. They just offer a period of like, depression um but with the internet i think you can definitely because it's you're built entirely on reputation and not on actual accolades uh mm -hmm. the reputation you have when you leave is the reputation you have forever um so it's 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 difficult and it's different because like if, if, if we're talking sports you can you can, if someone ends poorly but they're still hanging their hat on like seven mvps and multiple championships you can never take those away and those are objective accolades with the internet i mean what are you going to do you're going to say like man i remember when he got his diamond play button like what what, what an icon <laughs> right right that's the thing so i don't know maybe by the fact that i love being on the internet and i love making youtube videos and i love interacting with an audience uh, is going to be my downfall. I don't know. We'll see. To wait and yeah. find out. I mean, you could also try timing the market, which doesn't necessarily work with stocks, but it probably works with the tension. Yeah, potentially. Hold up. I'm going to pull up now because just because we keep getting off topic, which is fine because this is fun for these streams, but I do. We're having a philosophical discussion. We we're are. Making, we're we're making Jordy P proud. Yeah, just like, just like JP. Uh, JP. I pulled up his debate that he had with Kathy Newman. Oh, which this is it, the 19th. Sorry, I had to get my journal ready. Oh, okay, awesome. Yeah. And pulled up the debate he had with Kathy Newman. And this is the one where that all the memes came from where he's like, he's like, well, this is free speech because we're having this discussion and I am highly uncomfortable right now. Like that's where the, all the memes came from. And I think this is one of the main things, like, because you had suggested that I make a video breaking down argumentation and stuff regarding him and all of that. So I think that this is going to be one of the main uh, videos that I use for that, because I think this is a good example. This argument is a mess. Jordan Peterson is just bullshitting his way through it, but sounding logical. And Kathy Newman is just making the stupidest arguments that make no sense. And it's like, it's so frustrating to watch someone who is like representing a side that you agree with, but fuck it up, fucking it up so bad. Like she's fucking it up so bad, dude. I watched this and I, the first time I watched this when it first came out, when eight, 2018, I walked away from this liking Jordan Peterson and being like, you know what? He's a pretty cool dude. But then later I was like, no, they just both fucked up this argument so bad, but he fucked it up with bigger words and more smart sounding rhetoric. So wait, before you press play, then I have a one quick, ah, fuck, never mind, press play. No, what's your question? <laughs> no, I have to hate this. Oh, I, no, okay. I guess my question to leave you on is, um, do you think there, that punching down serves a purpose uh, with, with building a brand? Not, not whether it's morally right or wrong. Does it serve a purpose? Oh, interesting question. I would say 
yes, it serves a purpose for building a brand. I think that punching down can be something that people do like to see. Like, for example, I think a big, I know RK is on the call, so I'm mostly talking to the audience right now. Um, I think a big example of a punch down that was successful for a brand on the internet was when iDubs did that series about like bad Kickstarter campaigns. That was such a, that was such a punch down, right? Because like he was a fairly decently sized YouTuber who was doing a, like making fun of, regular people trying to start something on Kickstarter and making fun of how bad their products seemed or how bad their pages seemed, but he was funny about it. And also it like, it like took him from being like a moderately big YouTuber and he exploded him into millions of subscribers. So I would say that he, he was definitely doing a bunch of punch downs there, but I think it was good for his brand. And he never really has gotten flack from that, but I feel like a lot of other creators who do, punch downs end up like a few years in the future people will um kind of be like wait this person was just a bully the whole time and something and then they will get remembered that way instead so i think it depends on the creator and what you do with that in mind let's get started on jordan peterson and rk will jump in when he's ready Jason, you've said that men need to quote grow the hell up tell me why did I put the audio on? Someone let me know if I didn't. Actually, let me just, I'm paranoid that I didn't put the audio on. So I'm just gonna, I'm gonna re restart it just in case. The audio is definitely on. All right. Well, because there's nothing uglier than an old infant. There's nothing good about it. it, it <laughs> I just, that's a perfect quote that I want to take forward in life. There's nothing uglier than an old infant. There's nothing uglier than an old infant. People <laughs> who don't grow up don't find the sort of meaning in their life that sustains them through difficult times and they are certain to encounter difficult times and they're left bitter and resentful and without purpose and adrift and hostile and resentful and vengeful and arrogant and deceitful and and of no use to themselves and of no use to anyone else and no partner for a woman and there's nothing in it that's good so you say, i mean that sounds pretty bad you're saying it's there's a bad. crisis of masculinity i mean what do you do about it you tell, you help people understand why it's necessary and important for them to grow up and adopt responsibility. Why that isn't a... All right, he's starting off pretty pretty strong. Grow up and adopt responsibility. Like, I don't think anyone would disagree with that. I want to address Amanda's comment here. If you're a really small creator, it starts out more like punching a cross, not good, but not nearly as bad. Then the bigger you get, the further down you're punching. Yeah, and I've noticed, like, because I have a lot of friends who are, you know, commentary YouTubers or drama YouTubers and things like that. And within that community, there's a lot of this punching across where, like, a lot of some, like, commentary channels in the mid-range, you know, you get people who are, like, in the maybe you know, 5,000 to 20,000 subs, like a middle range channel like that. They'll get in some beef and conflicts with other middle range channels like that. And people who watch all of those channels, it'll bring them views for that. But at the same time, it's just kind of a circular, insular conflict because they're just punching across to each other, which I have seen a lot of that. And I like I never get involved in it because I'm like, man, I've got other shit to handle. <laughs> but it's I definitely see that all the time. Shake your finger and get your act together sort of thing. Why it's more like why it's more like uh, a delineation of 
the kind of destiny that makes life worth living. I've been telling young men, and, but it's not, I wasn't specifically aiming this message at young men to begin with. It just kind of turned out that way. Oh, that's bullshit. I wasn't aiming it at young men. It just kind of turned out that way. So this is what I was talking about the other day. Jordan Peterson manages to get himself misunderstood a lot. And he also manages to say things like, this is just what happened. I don't know why. Here's the thing. If you're going to be a lecturer and a speaker and a writer, you are trying to convey your ideas to an audience. And if your audience interprets them differently widely across the board than what you meant, at some point you might be the problem. Like, I get that he doesn't like being taken out of context and misquoted, but it seems to happen to him every single time he says or writes anything. So if it's happening to you that often, maybe you didn't convey your message clearly enough. Maybe that's on you. I'm starting to wonder if maybe he needs to start looking at himself and wondering if maybe he needs to do better. I would agree with that. I mean, okay, I, I, I'm stuck and I'm bouncing back and forth. I agree with everything you're saying. You can bounce back and forth. It's fine. It is. Well, it's about 80% on, on YouTube, which is a, YouTube is a male domain primarily. So it's hard to tell how much of it is because YouTube is. Is that true, guys? Is YouTube a male domain? My channel, my channel, uh, has is ninety percent female audience and ten percent male audience, according to my analytics. Isn't the CEO Susan? Hasn't she been relatively proactive at pushing female content? And it depends on yeah. the community. I mean, the anti-MLM community is mostly women. The ASMR community is mostly women. Uh, the the anti-MLM community, community is not actually mostly women. It's it's a it's a good mix, but I think people think it's mostly women because. I don't know why people think that. There's actually a lot of men making content exposing it. The book community is mostly women. The book community is mostly women. And, and I think some yeah. of the biggest gamers are women. I mean, Pokemon is one of the biggest gamers on the planet. That's true. And so, this is yeah. the point that people aren't getting. This is what people are missing. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if he's saying that the viewership of YouTube is a higher percentage male, maybe that's true. I just never noticed that. I feel like everyone watches YouTube, but okay. I think it's just the communities. Like, what, it's specific to different communities. One community is male-dominated, another is female-dominated. Right. Is male, and how, how much of it is because of what I'm saying. But um, you, you, what I've been telling young men is that there's an actual reason why they need to grow up, which is that they have something to offer, you know, that, that, that people have within them this capacity to set the world straight and that's necessary to manifest in the world. And that also doing so is where you find the meaning that sustains you in life. So what's gone so, wrong then? Oh God, all sorts of things have gone wrong. I, I think that, I don't think that young men are here words of encouragement. Some, some of them never in their entire lives, as far as I can tell, that's what they tell me. And the fact that the words that I've been, that I've been speaking, the YouTube lectures that I've done and put online, for example, have had such a, dramatic impact is an indication that young men are starving for this sort of message. Okay, so I think what he's saying on the surface is true, where he's saying that like, a lot of times young men don't hear words of encouragement, they don't, and I think that that is important. And that's not something we should take lightly. I think that young men do need to be encouraged and do like, I think sometimes people will be like, Oh, be a man, you don't need anything. But like, no, I disagree. I, I agree with what he's saying here. However, what I don't get is how his lectures are providing that because I've watched some of his stuff. And it's very, uh, it's not very 
encouraging. It's very depressing and uh, nonsensical. So I'm not sure how that's providing the encouragement, but we'll see. Why in the world would they have to derive it from a lecture on YouTube? Now they're not being taught that they that it's important to develop yourself. But does it does it bother you that your audience is predominantly male? Does that isn't isn't that a bit divisive? No, I don't think so. I mean, it's no more divisive than the fact that YouTube is primarily male and Tumblr is primarily well, that's divisive, female, isn't well, it? Tumblr is primarily female. But you're just saying that's the way it is. Well, it's. I'm not saying anything. It's just an observation that that's the way it is. Um, there's plenty of women that are watching my lectures and coming to my talks. And so I think it, the interviewer, Kathy Newman here, could have done it where she's like, so you, I think her problem is she starts off too many statements with so you're saying. And that, I don't think that's a good technique because if you're going so you're saying, then the other, it's very easy to misrepresent what the other person's saying. Like if I was in an argument with someone and they go, so you're saying this, it would be like, no, that's actually not what I'm saying at all. Stop telling me what I'm saying. And that, that creates a, a little bit of a clash there. That's at least what I'm noticing. I feel like it would have been better to phrase it in a, an open-ended question. So if you go like, oh, so you're saying this, and it's like, no, that's not what I'm saying. Don't phrase it in a yes or no question. If you're going to ask a question in a debate, phrase a question in a way that could open up further discussion. So if I were in her position and he's over here saying, well, YouTube's just mostly male and Tumblr's just mostly female. If I were in her position, I would say, why do you think that is? Why do you think that? And then maybe he has like, I imagine that someone like him would probably have a theory that the reason if YouTube is mostly male, which I already don't believe, but if it is, I imagine someone with his background would say something like, well, because statistically men are more likely to be visual creatures who like to view images and moving images, whereas women are more capable of interpreting and visualizing text, which I don't think is true across the board, but I, some people say that, that that's why more women read books and more men watch movies, even though everybody should do both. But still, um, uh, so but I'm saying though that that could be something that he delves into and then that could be an interesting discussion where he could bring up if there's any research about that. But instead, because she didn't ask why, she just goes, so you're saying, then he goes, no. And then that's kind of just shuts it down. Right? I looked it up. YouTube is 56% male. Oh. Well, then 56%, uh, that's really not that big of a divide. So uh, I don't think what he's saying even really matters here. If YouTube is 56% male and his audience is 80% male. As of February 2021. Yeah, that's a huge difference. Like, well, if someone asked me, Savvy, why is your audience 90% female? I would say. I don't know. I honestly don't know. Uh, I, maybe because I started in the book community and the book community is mostly female. That would probably be my guess. Or because I do feminist stuff, which can sometimes turn men away. I don't know. What do you guys think? By my books, it's just the majority of them happen to be men. Uh, it's, what's in I, it for the women, though? Well, what sort of partner do you want? You want an overgrown child? Or do you want someone to Yeah, he basically he basically you? says it right here, dude. He basically so she's I, I think her question there was good, which is like if most of your audience is male and you mostly target men with what you say, why would women want to watch? And he's like, Well, because what kind of partner do you want? So he basically admitted right there that he is targeting his lectures towards male development. And I would have called that out if I were in her position, where it's like, okay, so 
if you said earlier that you don't you don't know if you're targeting men on purpose that it just happened to be men somehow and then you said that what you think women can get out of your lectures is that they will be more likely to have a male partner who has developed himself more then are you admitting that your audience that the main content is targeted at development of men because he basically did just say that and he would have to clarify it otherwise Do you say women have some sort of duty to sort of help fix the crisis of masculinity? Well, it depends on what they want. No, I mean, it's, it's, it's exactly, exactly how I laid it out. Like, uh, women want, deeply want men who are competent and powerful. And, and I think it's weird that he's just stating that as if it's a fact. Like, you're going to say, women want this. Like, dude, you're going to need to give me a source. If you're going to do that, give me a source. Like, at least cite something, even if it's an outdated study, just give me something. Because I, personally, I think it's weird to have a man tell me, this is what women want. Because I will immediately be like, but I don't want that. Like, you're just, that that's not true. Like, you're just lying to me right now. Because I do not want men who are powerful. Men who are powerful are an instant turnoff to me. Like, no, dude. I like, I like, I like to be the powerful one in a relationship. And if I can't, then it's not a relationship I like. Unless if I'm in a relationship with a woman, she can be powerful. But again, that's why I, I'm I guess I do have some level of gender preference in that sense. But um yeah, what he's saying here is not true for everyone whatsoever. I don't mean power in in the in the in the in that they can exert tyrannical control over others. That's not what power. do you mean by power? That's just corruption. Power is competence. And why in the world would you not want a competent partner? Well, I, you I have to get more competent. Can't dominate a competent partner. So, so if you want women domination, want to dominate is that what you're saying? No, I'd say women who have had their relationships impaired with impaired their relationships with men impaired and who are afraid of such relationships will settle for a weak partner because they can dominate. No, see, that's the thing. I prefer to dominate someone. Like I seek that out intentionally because that like some people have that as a preference. I'm, I'm just here giving my preferences because I'm having to explain to Jordan Peterson that you have not talked to enough actual women to know what women actually want. Okay. So this is me just, I hate saying a plain devil's advocate because I think that makes me sound like a dick. No, you play devil's advocate. I don't mind devil's advocate. I do I, I, it all I, the time. I, I, I want to play devil's advocate and I don't believe <laughs> you. Do you, do you, do you not, not in, in what I'm about to say, just strictly devil's advocate. Do you think you're an exception? I don't know. Maybe. And, and if, if you think you are and there are other people like you, do you think that's a large or a small population or percentage? Like if he's generalizing, do you think he's still generalizing with majorities? That's an interesting question. I don't know. I don't know. Tyler texted me to tell me I should stop talking about this because I'm being too weird on a stream that my mom watches. Well, I'm just trying to explain that Jordan Peterson's generalizations don't make sense. And when I said dominate, I don't mean I don't mean sexually. That's not what I meant. I just want to make that clear. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about yeah, in mom. terms of I'm talking about in terms of relationship dynamics. Well, just because Tyler texted me from the other room was like, this sounds sexual and weird. And I'm just that's not what I mean. I just want to be clear. Disclaimer, that is not how I intended this to come across. Because that's not what Jordan Peterson's saying either. I'm trying to refute what he's saying, which is and if I came across wrong on that, my mistake. I take responsibility. I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, what he's what he's talking about here is that 
like women will settle for a man who is like socially weaker than them or something like that. Do I think I'm an exception in that I like to take on the role of like a traditionally masculine partner or something? I don't know. I'd have to interview a ton of women to find that out. And that's the thing is like, I don't think it's possible to know these things without asking people. I don't think that like you can't- I agree. Like how many people has he surveyed and is he just generalizing? Yeah, I, and I think these these trends also change over time depending on what circumstances we're in. I feel like, I feel like, you know, a hundred years ago, there were a lot more like the way that marriage played out and the way that people selected partners had a lot more to do with the circumstances of the times and the way that people, you know, cared about. I mean, like an eighteen year old, a twenty six year old. Um, someone who's been married for 10 years and then maybe like post-menopause like does that change yeah and that's what's interesting is so i think that um let, oh let, let's see um i'm gonna take a look at what people say in the comments because i think the comments will give us more insight as we can listen to more people's opinions or at least surveying people which is something potentially more than what jordan peterson has done which is just coming in with the answers instead of asking questions yeah marie says as a woman i'm automatically on the defensive listening to him yeah because i think it's kind of strange to be like women want this and like i don't i don't think you can say what literally almost half of the population of the entire world wants that's like what like over three billion people you're like over three billion people in the world want this like how would you possibly know like that's just generalizing like that automatically makes people who don't have that same experience be like wait no you're just wrong and you just lose credibility instantly so it's weird it's weird um Oh, Amanda. Okay. Amanda says, okay. So uh, ba based on, am I an exception? Amanda says, I've noticed your views on things that are supposed to be typical female experience are much different from women. I know, but not in a bad way, like insecurity. I've never known someone with as little insecurity as you. Uh, this is the thing I've talked about in the past. I think that the fact that I'm a confident person comes from my obliviousness to the world around me. I think like having like with the type of OCD I have and stuff, I fixate on the wrong things and I don't notice the bigger picture. So a lot of the time, a lot of things that I was supposed to know were a social cue or a lot of things that I was supposed to know were socially normal. I just don't know. And then people are like, wow, Savvy, you're so confident the way that you just go against social conventions. And I'm like, what, what was the thing? But then at that point, I was already confident and oblivious to it. So why start being insecure now? But yeah, I think that's interesting. That is an interesting point. And I don't know, sometimes I worry that my lack of insecurity will be a downfall because, again, I'm just barreling through life and I'm probably going to make some kind of mistake and not know about it. Um, and Mushroom Destroyer is true. I, uh, I want a partner who listens and can be a team with me. Yeah. And I think that Jordan Peterson would say that he doesn't disagree with that based on what I'm seeing here. But just his his whole obsession with the dominance hierarchy makes I think it makes a lot of women feel intimidated like. So you want a man who is, he's like, he's like not dominant in a tyrannical way, but it's like, in what way then? Like he says in terms of competence, but he needs to define that a little more clearly, I think. 
Amanda says, I do think you're an outlier in many ways. Oh, interesting. I'm an outlier, guys. But it's wonderful to see someone with a completely different life experience and perspective from what I've known in my social circles. Part of what drew me to you was how different you are from the people I've known, regardless of gender. Oh, well, thank you. I, I, I take that as a big compliment. I appreciate that. Thank you, Amanda. Um, Mushroom Destroyer tends to take over responsibility like bills and such. Yeah, and I think it's just important for every partnership to know what each other's strengths and weaknesses are and to know how to best complement each other and to not have to feel like there's some pre-prescribed uh, like responsibility that you have to have rather than what the relationship... And I'm not a relationship coach, guys. I just... I'm a person who's married and I'm pretty happy in my marriage, so... But again, that could be like Amanda saying the fact that I'm oblivious and have no insecurity because when people come on things and be like, you know, marriage is is hard. And I'm like, for me, I just like I married someone I like and we have a date night every Friday and watch shitty B movies. And then during the week, we work on our projects and hang out together and play with their dog. Like, is there more? Is there, was there supposed to be more to it than that? But I don't know. I again, that's a, that might be me just being oblivious of, to the fact that you know, I was looking at the world with my rose-colored glasses. I just think he wants to come into these situations from a position of strength and confidence. And you come into situations with positions of strength and confidence when you come in with answers, um, which tells me he's not necessarily interested in, in advancing a dialogue because I feel like if you want to advance a dialogue, you come in with questions, seeking answers. Well, that's interesting. Yes. Yes, I think that if he, yeah, you're right. He He's like, it doesn't seem, it seems like, this, like they call this a debate, which I think is weird because it's really an interview. Like she's interviewing him is how it comes across. If this was supposed to be set up as a debate, it completely failed because right now she's asking him questions. He's answering them. He's always has an answer for everything. And there's no like really time that she's given to share her full side or her full beliefs on this. So I wouldn't even call this a debate. I would call this an interview, which is a little bit a, a kind of a failed interview. Yeah, exactly what Marie says. He's interested in speaking for women, which is never a good thing. Yeah, I agree completely. Makes it, yeah, Amanda, we're the same person. We're the same person. I think though, is Amanda, Amanda, were you an, an introvert? And that was like our opposite thing. So it's like, this is like, it's like alternate universe where like you're the introverted version of me and I'm the extroverted version of you. And we exist in a parallel universe of what each other would be like in that situation. I think, I think that's what we've got going on right here. Also, Maria, I really appreciate the shout out on Instagram. Sorry, you can go. Oh, er, yeah. Marie, not Maria. Sorry, Marie. For some reason, it didn't. That didn't show up in my Instagram notifications. Like I saw it on your story, and I wanted to share it onto my story, but it didn't show up in my notifications, even though she tagged me. So I'm like, "What is Instagram doing right now?" But anyway, I appreciate it as well. I just didn't share it because Instagram didn't didn't put it in my thing where I could share it, and I'm not good at Instagram. But thank you. Questionable Hag Energy says, "Being married is the easiest thing I've done in my life." Dude, yeah, I think I feel like that too. Being married is easy. But again, I don't mean to like diminish if anyone's marriage has been tough and has been a lot of struggle and, and work. I understand that everyone's experience is going to be different. So I don't mean to diminish that. I just feel like this universal thing of like marriage is difficult is like, I feel like it doesn't have to be. Yeah, yeah, exactly, Kat. Um, I've known Tyler since 2004. That's how many years now? 17? And uh, 
we started dating for the first time in 2007. We've been married since 2017. So yeah, I've known him for like forever. I think there's a substantial minority. Of Audio's off. Yeah. Oh, no, never mind. I, think, it's I think the audio, I think he's just kind of quiet. So he said there's a substantial minority of women who do what? I want to know what women are in the minority for. Hold up. I'm going to go back a little bit. Who are afraid of such relationships will settle for a weak partner because they can dominate them. But it's a suboptimal solution. Do you think that's no what a lot of women good. are doing? I think there's a substantial minority of women who do that. And I think it's very bad for them. They're very unhappy. It's very bad for their partners, although the partners get the advantage of not having to take any responsibility. But what gives you the right to say that? I mean, maybe that's how women want their relationships, those women. I mean, you're making these vast generalizations. I'm a clinical psychologist. Right, so you've, you're saying you've done <laughs> your research and women are unhappy dominating men. I didn't say they were unhappy dominating men. I said it was a bad long-term solution. Why? Okay, you said it was it's making them miserable. Why? Yes, it is. And it depends on the time frame. I mean, there can be, there's intense pleasure in momentary domination. That's why people do it all the time. But it's no formula for a long-term, successful long-term relationship. Why? That's reciprocal, right? Any long-term relationship is reciprocal, virtually by definition. So. Let me put a quote to you. From okay, the so here's the thing. Well, you say there are whole She needs to be asking better questions here. Because he's talking about this whole thing where he's like, I never said that women should never dominate men. I just said it's a bad solution for a long-term relationship that'll never last in the long run. Why? And then she asks him how he knows that. He says, I'm a clinical psychologist. I, I'm happy for you, dude. Everyone knows you're a clinical psychologist. But can you convey, like, can you tell us actually, like, from your clinical psychology research, what is it that you've noticed about those relationships that is bad in the long term? I mean, the one thing that he's doing is he's like the argument of authority, which is funny because he and Ben Shapiro both do this, but Ben Shapiro actively calls other people out when they do it. Are you saying the wording? Coming up, uh, uh, like, argument up from authority. Oh, are using, you using, from authority? Yeah. Using your credentials as, as the Yeah, and it's like credentials are valid okay. to an extent. No, I, I agree. There we go. Okay, I'm good. No, no, no. Oh, you're good now. Okay. Credentials no, are valid to an extent, but if you use it to silence people that you're talking to, and not, not like say like, shut up, I'm smarter than you. I just mean like to to um, sort of like hint at silencing them. So almost say like you should, to, to put down their argument by just saying, I'm not even going to entertain that because I, I'm... I'm so much smarter because in this case, I'm a clinical psychologist. Um, that's bizarre because no matter how, what your credentials are, you're going to be, there are people that know more than you or at the very least can, can ask questions that should at the very least make you question your, I don't want to say principles because principles should be pretty uh, set in stone uh, once you identify what they are, but your uh, current position i guess the best way i can phrase it right now in in terms of like because my mind is so stuck on finance um while your core holdings are relatively stable uh if someone questions your alpha you should listen yeah so i think that when it comes to the appeal to authority thing i think that you know stating your credentials and stating your education is good for establishing credibility i think that's good for establishing like oh this person knows a lot of things i should probably listen to them and that's fine but that doesn't excuse you from having to actually explain it just saying yes i'm right because i know this these things because i'm a psychologist like okay 
I trust that you know things because you're a psychologist. Now take that to the next level and break it down and explain why, because I trust that you've done your research, but you still need to tell me what the actual information is. You're not exempt from that. I'm not just going to believe everything you say at face value without you explaining it. Like, for example, someone we love on this channel, Kat Benson, when she comes on the stream and she's just like, she wouldn't just be like, here's the food you should eat. And I know this because I'm a dietitian. No, at, at, when we had her on last week, she broke down how certain types of diets and intuitive eating and all that works. And we trust her information because she's a dietitian. But if Kat Benson was just like, savvy, don't eat cupcakes. I'm a dietitian. Like that doesn't like, I, I wouldn't trust her then, but I do trust her because she's not like that. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. She told me not to eat spinach. No, she didn't, dude. <laughs> she is still defending herself for this day for that. <laughs> I, I know, I know. Um, no, I, I, I completely agree with you on that. Front. I agree and, with and what Kat Benson really is a true professional, and anyone listening to this uh, on a later date who has questions about nutrition or diet, they should reach out to her and follow her. I think that I agree with what Andrea is saying here, which is her attitude also feels like she's coming up a place of trying to trap him into saying something bad and not trying to have an honest conversation. Yes, I feel like this conversation, first of all, it's not really a debate. It's an interview and that's how it's coming across. And it really does seem like she just, like seems like they both went into this with an agenda. And while that's fine to an extent, because a debate is more about the audience than it is about the people. Like I don't expect either of them to convince each other but it's about having what the audience wants to, it's about what the audience can learn from you. But instead, instead of either of them really elaborating on why they think what they think or why they think the other person's wrong or giving examples, they're both just kind of, he just kind of draws blanket statements and is like, I'm a psychologist. And then she's just like, all right, let me move on to the next question where I'm going to accuse you of saying something you didn't say. It's really, it's just a terrible conversation. It's just so frustrating to watch. Yeah, I mean, energy matches energy and they both are matching each other's attempts to, to it's less about, okay, here, here's a question. Do you think it's more important in these situations to be right or to not be wrong? That's interesting. Um... I, th I think it depends on what you mean. Is it more important in terms of how the public's going to perceive it? Or is it more important in terms of benefit to society? I think those public might be different. Perception. Everything, okay. assume, assume my questions are always about perception because my oh, assumption okay. with them is that for her, it's more important to be perceived as um, on, on the side of feminism. And for him, it's more important to be perceived on the side of um, of. God, what should I even say? Just intellect? It, 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 Jordan Peterson, we, we talk about perception versus reality a lot on this channel. And for Jordan Peterson, I think he values the perception of intelligence over intelligence. I think so too. Yeah. And I think that that's, I think what you're saying is true there because, and that's why I asked for the clarification, because I think that they both think it's important that they are not wrong for the sake of their perception. But and their I audience. Think because yeah, that's who they're also trying to like solidify their, like Jordan Peterson went on this not necessarily to get a new audience, but to to but to find the audience that doesn't know he exists yet, and to really uh, capture the audience he already has and build that brand loyalty. Right. If they, I feel like, 
if this interview were not just for their own perception within their with their own viewers, if this interview were actually for the sake of trying to introduce new ideas and trying to pit ideas against each other to better society overall, and that was the actual goal, then being right would be way more important than not being wrong. Because you could be wrong for a moment and be like, okay, let me consider something new and then still be right on a different part of your argument. And it would be okay to accept part certain parts and concede certain parts because it would be about finding, you know, truth as opposed to appearing smart. It's why, um, yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's, that's absolutely it. That's absolutely it. I totally am blinking on what I was going to say on it's why. So I just agree. <laughs> I was getting so lost in what you were saying because you make such good points. Oh, thank you. I am honored. You do too, bud. I think we have the best conversations. Oh, I remember what I was going to say now. It's why Joe Rogan completely stumps them because he's probably one of like, people might have problems with Joe Rogan, but I think he's one of the only people out there who's genuinely seeking dialogue. Yes. I love Joe Rogan for that. Like there's some things he says that I'm like, what? And there's some things that are weird as fuck about him that we'll make fun of next week. But I do love that he is like that. And I think that's why he can, he as someone who is admittedly, he's like, I'm not very smart. He can go up against someone who claims to be like this huge intellectual and completely stump them because he's actually like asking questions because he's genuinely curious and wants to know. And suddenly they're in a place where now they have to, instead of arguing, they have to like just provide the information. And it's like, whoa, what? Here's my last question before we dive back in. What's more valuable? Uh, I don't know for specifics, but just overall, what's more valuable for, I don't know, maybe betterment, empowerment, um, advancing discussions. No, no, because that, that, that's, that's skewing the question. I'll just dive into it. What do you value more curiosity or intelligence? Uh, curiosity, because are they I think they're related to the extent that if you are more, the more curious you are, the more intelligent you will become because you will be seeking answers. But I think I think placing the value on curiosity is more important because if you place the value on intelligence, value like, is the right word. Exactly, yes, that's, that's what we were talking word. about the other day, where we were talking about how Jordan Peterson's problem is that he reached this level where he feels like he knows a lot, and he has decided to stop to, like learning new information, and he he doesn't seem to have a lot of curiosity anymore. He seems to just want to be the authority now, and as a result, that's going to then stifle your ability to learn new information if you are valuing intelligence so much over curiosity. So I would say I would say that they're related and they're both important, but I think it's more important. I think everyone will be better off if they value curiosity more. Yes, I think curious, I mean, I would almost argue that curiosity is genuine in, um, intellect because genuine intellect is the understanding that you don't know everything and therefore are seeking answers. Right, like I feel like I know a lot of things sometimes, but then every once in a while someone will bring something up that I didn't know and I'll be like, oh dude, now that I know this, this is great. Or it's like, it's important to stay open-minded to new things and to want to seek more answers. So like, I feel like we're doing that to an extent on this show because even the gurus that we make fun of and that we don't like, we still try to see what we can learn from them. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I learned the most so far from, from Rachel Hollis. Yeah. Still, uh, maybe it's because she was the first one, so she set the bar. Maybe it's because the other ones are just 
genuinely awful, like Grant Cardone being investigated for misrepresenting his investors and Tony Robbins for ruining multiple human be- humans' lives, um, yeah. like by telling the wife of like the, the abused wife to give more blowjobs. Like that's a little. Oh my god, up. Tony Robbins is such a mess. I um, hate him so much. I think I learned from Gwyneth Paltrow the importance of trying new things with friends. Yes, uh, and I like that. I think that's a fantastic conclusion that you drew from that week. Yeah, because like things are scary. They're but th- like scary things are fun with friends. Yeah, like for example, us doing this whole thing together. Like I, I will say, I, I really appreciate having you as a friend in my life because you're the person who one of us will have an idea to do something, and the other one will just be like, "Yeah, let's do it." Like I don't think we ever turn each other's ideas down for the most part. We'll be like. You want to write a novel together? Yeah, let's do it. You want to It's a judgment-free zone. Yeah, you want to start you want to live like Rachel Hollis for a week? Yeah, let's do it. You want to stream every morning at 8 a.m. to live like a bunch of people for a week? Yeah, let's do it. Like we're just always saying yes to each other's weird ideas and I think it it leads to something cool. Yeah, a sycophant sucks unless he finds a sycophant to sycophant for. <laughs> <laughs> the six sycophants. Um new merch dropping. <laughs> I like what Marie says here with developmental psychology and educating small children, we're supposed to value the process and the curiosity more. Some researchers say to never label a kid as intelligent because it convinces them they don't have to work hard or ask questions. And when they fail or encounter difficulty, they quit. I I saw that study. I saw it. It was about puzzles. I'm sorry. I I took you off. No, 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 no. Go ahead. Talk about the puzzles. I'm forgetting the exact age of the kids. I think they might've been first graders, but it was about, they solved the puzzle and half the kids, they said they did it because they're so smart. And half the kids, they said they did it because they worked incredibly hard. And then they upped the difficulties of the puzzles and the kids that they said were smart gave up when they couldn't do it because they assumed there was something wrong with the puzzles. The kids that they said worked really hard had a much higher completion percentage because they just, they were complimented for working hard and therefore they worked through the problems. I definitely feel like I can point out places in my own life where I've noticed this, where like, you know, and, and here's the thing is I like being complimented. I think being complimented for things is good, but I was a kid who was told I was smart. And now like I, I get like, for example, people would tell me that like they like my art or that I'm good at art or something. And then I'll go to like one of those things where you're supposed to drink wine and paint a picture with everyone. And everyone will be like, oh, Savvy, you're going to be so good at this because you're so good at art. And then I just become so nervous and frozen up. And I'm like, no, actually, my art's going to suck now. And now I'm super worried that I'm going to make this picture all fucked up because everyone's expecting me to be able to just naturally do it. And so instead, I'll like make a shitty picture and encounter difficulty. And now I'm just afraid to go to wine and painting night. Oh, that's too bad because they are a lot of fun. We, we, Aaron and I went. We actually, it's, mine sucks. Hers is fantastic. We hung her painting up. Mine's in the closet. <laughs> My mom and I did one together, which was actually really great. We did one where it was like paint your pet, and we did. Uh, I painted a picture of Chewy that I, I really love. I mean, it's not perfect, but I had a lot of fun painting a picture of Chewy. Um, and yeah, we had a good time. We had a good time. I will do one of those things again. I think it would be fun. It's just as long as everyone goes into it knowing that my art sucks and that's okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll do wine and painting with you. And Marie, I appreciate you. And I appreciate your shout out again. Everyone should should appreciate Marie with us. Appreciate Marie, absolutely. Let's take a solid three seconds to all appreciate Marie. <laughs> and we're not going to do it in silence because it's a podcast, but just, just everyone appreciate her for three seconds. One, two, three, appreciate Marie. Good work, guys. 
disciplines in universities forthrightly hostile towards men. These are the areas of study dominated by the postmodern stroke neo-Marxist claim that Western culture in particular is an oppressive structure created by white men to dominate and exclude women. But then I want to put minorities to you, too, dominate and exclude okay, women. Okay, sure. But I want to put to you that here in the UK, for example, let's take that as an example, the gender pay gap stands at just over 9%. You've got women at the BBC recently saying that the broadcaster is illegally paying them less than men to do the same job. You've got only seven women running the top FTSE 100 companies. Yeah. So it seems to a lot of women that they're still being dominated and excluded, to quote your words back to you. It does seem that way, but multivariate analysis of the pay gap indicate that it doesn't exist. But that's no, dude, that's right? not true. Multivariate analysis of the pay gap it indicates that it exists, but not in the way that either of these two say that it exists. Dude, I went on, when I did a video about Classically Abbey recently, I went off about the pay gap, because I agree with Jordan Peterson that you need multivariate analysis of it. However, when you do multivariate analysis of the pay gap, you find out that it exists. It just exists for, it doesn't exist for the same job. So it's like, for the most part, women are not being illegally discriminated against and paid below what they deserve. However, women are not getting as many promotions to get to the same job of the same level. Women are not being passed over for some of those jobs, or even sometimes just women by and large try to go into fields that are lower paying overall, which like, why that happens, I can't tell you. That's worthy of its own study. But Jordan Peterson is over here being like, I already know everything and don't need to study more things. When in reality, that would actually be a great area to delve into is the why. Yeah, also the the one part of it as well about how women exit high competitive industries like law uh, when they become pregnant, that's not the end of the discussion um, because that's still something worth just worth talking about on, on how we are in an, in an age where if you want to go into those high competitive fields, uh, you're going to have to come to the decision of family or career. That's the thing though, is that men face that same decision. I think a lot of women just face discrimination because their body goes through the pregnancy. And Which is a substantial difference though. Oh, I mean, it's a substantial yeah. difference. Well, I mean- Like they, they have no say about it. Like it, it, it physically impacts their work. Sure, but there's also like, I feel like there's an assumption that a lot of um, employers will make that like, oh, this person is female, she could, risk becoming pregnant. Like for me, if I ever have a kid, which I probably won't, but if I ever do, that kid will get adopted. So I will not have to take on anything other than what a man would have to take on in that situation. But it's just applied across the board. And that's not to say that if women get pregnant, they deserve that, because that's an entirely different discussion about how discrimination happens in that circumstance. But my point is that like, it is based on like across the board, thoughts about that. And yes, what you're saying about getting pregnant and having to go through that does make an extremely different situation than someone not having to get pregnant. But that's another entire thing we need to talk about is like, how do we handle someone whose body is going to go through pregnancy when they want to have the exact same opportunities as someone whose body isn't going through pregnancy? I mean, if like your example, if you get pregnant and you're giving that kid up for adoption immediately, that doesn't change the fact that you're going to have at the very oh, least. no, my example was the opposite, which is that I would not, I will never get pregnant. No, if I but, ever have a kid, I will adopt them from someone else. Oh, got it. Okay, my bad. Well, the, I'm just going to keep going with this example anyway. Okay. Um, it's not, it's not <laughs> someone has the kid um, for someone else. It's still going to impact their work um, during the pregnancy just because it's such a toll on their body, even if they're not going to uh, participate in the parenting of that child after the pregnancy, it still impacts their work. 
I like what questionable hag energy here says if we need they need to call it the career gap I think we should call it the career gap because the career gap is a much broader thing and I think that allows us to study much more what is affecting all the different causes that could be contributing to it if you call it the wage gap it's very easy for someone like Jordan Peterson to shut you down and go well that doesn't exist because when you look at the exact same role in the exact same companies women are already getting paid the same. And I think in most places there are already laws that you can't discriminate, you can't pay someone less for the exact same job based on gender, race, ethnicity, religion, anything like that. That's already a protected class. So when you call it a wage gap, it makes it kind of easy to shut it down based on that. Um, but calling it the career gap, I think makes a lot more sense because it's multifaceted. It's like what parts of your careers, what kind of job you can go into, how many hours you can work, how much money you can make. Now we're looking at a bunch of variables. I think that's a much better way to phrase it. Questionable hag energy. Excellent. I love that. So anyway, this is just such a stupid argument that people have about the gender pay gap because both sides get it wrong. It's just like, but if we actually analyze the issue, we could actually start working towards solutions, but instead they just want to say incorrect facts at each other for a while. I mean, that's 9% pay gap. That's a gap between median hourly earnings yeah. between men and women. But that multiple, exists. Yeah, but there's multiple reasons for that. One of them is gender, but it's not the only reason. Uh, he just admits that one of them is gender. Okay. With your salt. You never do a univariate analysis. Like you say, well, women in aggregate are paid less than men. Okay, well, then we break it down by age, we break it down by occupation, we break it down by interest, we break it down by personality. But you're saying basically it doesn't matter if women aren't getting to the top because that's what's skewing that gender pay gap. Per per personality one was weird to me because yeah. that's that's not gender. As much as like that's a different variable altogether. Um, well, he's about to go into here how the reason, I think he's going to go into here the reason that men tend to be more CEOs is that men are more powerful people and that like women, like he's about to go into this whole thing about this. Um, but I, yeah. Oh, my bad. Sorry. I'm, <laughs> it's the cutoff thing. We talked about it yesterday. Podcast, we cut each other off all the time. It's okay. <laughs> I know that when it comes to like job application, the, the reports out there are, it's like uh, for, for, uh, for the most part, women, mostly apply to jobs they feel 100% qualified for and men will apply for jobs that they know that they don't necessarily know that they're qualified for but they'll 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 still apply for things that they um that are higher up yeah. um, or more frequently so that's the application process i guess that does fall under the whole career trajectory or career gap because that goes into and the that whole that would be an interesting thing to ask why that is it is an interesting question to ask why yeah, and I'm wondering if that has to do with cultural influences on men or men having more male career role models. So having just like an implicit, like, or having just like a subconscious ideal that they can achieve higher or something. I don't know. I don't know what that is. Uh, it, I mean, it's, it's an interesting stat for sure. Um, it could be male role models. It could be the uh, the media and consumption that we're taking in. I mean, off the top yeah. of my head, I can definitely think of more fake it till you make it male stories than female stories. That's interesting. Yeah, I know. I, I was just gonna say here, what she's saying is where she's like, so you're saying this doesn't matter. It's like, I really need her to stop going. So you're saying like that is really shutting down the conversation and it is making it like this is the this is why I hate both of them in this debate so much because she is just going. So you're saying this and like 
it's so easy for him to go because technically what she's saying is a slight misrepresentation of what he says, but it really seems like she's trying to steer the conversation in a certain way. Whereas he can just be like, no, that's not what I'm saying. And then he gets to be the victim of misrepresentation. Once again, it's just such a bad, a bad discussion. Yeah. It's definitely, I mean, it, it, again, she, she's totally like, you can't tell people what they're saying. You have to listen and critically analyze what they're saying. Um, going back to seven habits of highly effective people <laughs> and to, then to mushroom destroyer. Um, I do feel like that, uh, talking about a job that you currently have and seeking promotion in that is a different discussion than applying for a job that you're not act that you don't actively have at the moment. Um, but good for you for getting that Oh, promotion. thank you. Queen of Spades. Savvy ending the gender pay gap argument. Oh wait, I need to reach out to her. Karen, how do you say her last name? Stoggin? Stoffgen? Uh, whatever. Uh, Cher, is she the one you were telling me about who also likes to argue about the pay gap and things like that? Because I can, I'll reach out to her. Um, yeah, let's see. Questionable Hag Energy says there are also masculine traits that when a woman exhibits them and is perceived as a negative personality trait. Oh, I've no, yeah, I've heard this talked about as well that like sometimes women who are aggressive and straightforward people are like wow she is so cold-hearted she is so rude she is whatever but when a man is straightforward and aggressive people will be like wow he just gets down to business what a hard worker um now i personally perceive both men and women who are like that like just because i'm such an aggressively friendly person i start to get like oh god they don't like me oh my god no one likes me oh my god everyone hates me but that's also that is my insecurity amanda i do have insecurities that is my insecurity. Um, yeah, my advice, people, is apply to anything. You can do at least a quarter, but it's all a numbers game. Good advice, questionable hag. Yeah, Unless you're I, a doctor. Uh, <laughs> sure. I think when it comes to men's rights, I think that I'll, there's this whole there's this whole weird idea that feminism and men's rights have to be opposing forces. And I think that's the problem when it comes down to it, is I think that there are... There are things in this world that that discriminate against men. There are things that discriminate against women. Gender roles box all of us in and hurt all of us in the long run. So when people talk about like, when men's rights activists get like, oh, we hate feminists and feminists get like, oh, men's rights activists are all just incels and problematic and whatever. Then it's like, you're really shutting down what could be a collaboration. I remember back when the like men's rights activist uh, subreddit first took off. I had posted on a thread somewhere where I was like, can I be a feminist and a men's rights activist? Because I think that there's, and then people just all downvoted me and were like, no, you can't be both. And I was like, oh. Yeah, so that's shutting down discussion. And, and <laughs> that shuts down discussion, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, um, again, goes back to empathy, goes back to, uh, sorry, I, I, maybe that's what we learned from Jordan Peterson, not from his practice, but what from he doesn't do. Um, yeah. The, import, the importance of emotional intelligence um, for genuine discussion and for genuinely advancing conversations because we see him not do that. Um, and we see and we see the people he talks to not do that as well. Um, I would almost argue that's 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 the universe matching your energy. So as far as what I learned from Jordan Peterson this week is the important like the importance and weight of going into as many conversations uh, with the intention of emotionally understanding the person I'm talking to is something I'm sure I failed with the past, but that's something I definitely need to work on because I feel like that is how you advance conversations, advance your knowledge, um, and ultimately create a better, 
I'll say community. I'll keep it in a small spec. Um, but but it, it, yeah, it advance your personal world and those who you interact with. Absolutely. So y'all, we've been at this stream for two hours and I'm going to have to take Chewy on a nice walk before my video premiere real quick. Don't forget everyone right here. Today in one hour, one hour, you can set a reminder right here. I will link this in the chat. I have a new video premiering on my main channel. Um, link is right here. Um, and this video is going to be an interview I did with a woman who was in she joined MLM companies 27 times since the early 80s. And just a couple months ago, finally took the anti-MLM position and is seeing like all the things that went wrong. And she's kind of telling her whole story and exposing everything. I think this is a really important interview to hear about this perspective. And I'm really excited to share this. So guys can join me in the premiere here in one hour. Um, Thank you all so much for being here. I'm really excited. Oh, the, uh, wait, I'll give everyone the FedEx link again, too. Thank you for the reminder, Cher. I'm just reading these comments real quick. And I just want to clear something up because I see Queen of Spade and Cher talking. Uh, Queen of Spade fights for men and women's rights with domestic violence. Cher said that uh, men are afraid of victimhood, fear not being manly sometimes. And then Queen of Spade said, "I funny, I feel men daily try, I, I deal with men daily who try and play the victim. I think Cher was specifically talking about domestic abuse, not not soft boys on the internet. Yeah, I think there's, and I think it's like, it all depends on the situation you're talking about. So guys, this is the FedEx link again. Don't forget right here, you can go to that link that I've just highlighted right here and you can vote right here for Forever Home Friends. This this competition is going until Wednesday the 24th. So this coming Wednesday is going to be the last day. So don't forget to vote for us every 24 hours. Help us try to win. I really hope we get a small business grant. That would be pretty amazing. Um and thank you guys so much for watching this morning. We will be doing Joe Rogan week next week. And I'm excited to plan things out for that. Um, yeah, but I'll, but you guys won't have to miss me for long. Cause in one hour I'm doing a premiere on my channel so you can hang out with me then. So I'll see y'all then. Would anyone be interested in joining our team? Because I think we need to start building a social media presence with this. And my Instagram does not allow me to add any more Instagram accounts. So we need help. How many are the maximum Instagram accounts you can have? Oh, shit. I have four already. Maybe it's five. Let me double check real quick. Okay. Well, I actually do have five. I have my Instagram, the Forever Home Friends Instagram, Chewy's Instagram, and then I am logged in for the magazine I work for and for the publishing company I work for. Yeah, I have my, okay, so it's five. It's five. five. I, okay. I have my, my, my clients. And then, yeah. That's frustrating. Okay, well, I have, I, I think that I'm going to stop doing social media management for that company pretty soon. So maybe I can log out of those and add, uh, add one for this on Instagram. Mushroom Destroyer is offering. So let's talk to you. Oh, Mushroom. yeah, Mushroom Destroyer. If you want to help us with Instagram, that'd be great. Or Kitty. Yes, we are definitely open to growing this uh, team. So hop on now because this is going to take off. It's like getting into to Bitcoin early. <laughs> All right, y'all. I'll see you in an hour for a video premiere. Don't forget to support small businesses. Have a great Friday morning. I love you all. Adios.